In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the True Life Podcast. We are here with special guest Johnny Vedmore. He's got all his links below. He is an investigative journalist, a musician, and an all-around cool guy. He's got an incredible style of journalism that I think invites the reader to do a little bit of homework, but also to learn about the behavior of individuals as well as institutions. I'm setting it up. Johnny Vedmore. Tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, where you want to take this bad boy to. Yeah, well, I don't know. We've only, we've only just met, George. I'm, I'm afraid of taking off my clothes in, in public and telling you everything. <laughs> no, no. I, I love talking. Um, hello, everybody who's watching and listening. Um, uh, I am uh, I, I, I was never meant to do this uh, journalism lark. I was never meant to be going down this path. Obviously, I'm here now. And obviously, I'm doing it now. Now it seems like I'm meant to. Uh, but when I was when I was younger, you know, I was brought up in the valleys, um, well near the valleys, Cardiff, like at the bottom of, of uh, South Wales. My my mum was a valley girl, really, Ponty Clean, basically the valleys. Um, it's South Wales, and Wales is a very particular country. You know, it's um it's not given, uh, it's not known around the world quite the politics of the UK and how it works but Wales is an ancient country with an ancient people in um, and it sits next door to England. The landmass itself um, it, it comes from the Appalachian Trail that that area of land in the world when the different continents were forming etc Wales came loose from what would eventually become this long Appalachian Trail would 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 drift across the Atlantic and hit onto the side of this other completely like different stones, different rocks, you know, it makes it a very, it's always had like a, a, a mystical, fantastical quality about it. Um, it's a land of song. It's a land of, of love. Everybody, when you grow up, you, I, I mean, when I was growing up, when I was about eight, said 16, 17, I first started hearing people complaining when you called them love. Because you'd say, hello, love, how are you? 
and and I know in other countries that's something that that is maybe weird, but culturally in Wales we're all about that. We're always talk to each other on a level of love. Hey, love, how's it going? Oh, it's brilliant to see you, love. Oh, God, hey, back. We say back as well, you know, um, and, and lots of different things. Um, Cariad is love in Welsh. Um, hello, Cariad, how are you? You know, it's the it's natural way of seeing a lot of what Welsh people do all around the country. It's like, it's such a, a specific country. It's an, a, a unique place. It's, it's like got five ancient tribes, really. If you look at the genetic map of Wales, it's like South Wales, and you've got South Pembrokeshire, North Pembrokeshire, uh, North Wales, and the borderlines, the martial lands that, that link with England. They're all ancient, separate ancient tribes of Britain. They all got a different, um, a, 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 literally a different genealogy than uh, the Anglo-Saxons and the Normans that came up, who really still uh, populate mainly the the southeast of England, um, going quite far up. Uh, but then Britain is full of this; it's, it's full of these ancient uh, cultures and stuff. And I, being Welsh, you get you you really you really don't get involved in a lot of the politics. You know, we were ruled for many years in it. Our, our country was annexed officially. The official annexation of Wales happened in um, 1500s, I believe. It was under uh, Henry VIII, of course. Uh, the fat king was like, OK, we're officially we're, we're making uh, you us now and us and you together. We're combining us. And now we're, you're going to rule yourself, honest, with your own laws. But we'll just be on the side and we'll stick our Tudor colours on your flag. So the, 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 if anybody's seen the dragon of Wales, the flag of Wales, um, you've got green and white behind it. And those are the Tudor colours. Um, in actual fact, uh, Henry VIII's uh, father, I think it was, maybe it was his grandfather, who uh, no, it was his father who came. And, and and kind of came from Wales. He was one of the princes of West Wales, but he wasn't actually Welsh. You know, none of these guys are actually Welsh. They were all from Norman ancestry. Then up north in Britain, you've got loads of different, you've got like eight different tribes up the north who are completely different, completely separate from Saxon origin, from uh, Scandinavian origin. And then up in Scotland, you've got two different tribes that are completely separate from each other in a, in a very much, uh, very many ways. It's a really complex country. It's a country that people don't understand and i wanted to just make music i wanted to live free i wanted to do all the things that a normal everyday welsh man desires in the world but everything all the all the music business um became industrialized all of the the um expensive properties in the city centers got taken over by big business they started to build flats upon everything closed down all the music venues one by one getting rid of any sign of culture and life coming out from a city centre that used to be so vibrant. As, as Cardiff City Centre, the, the capital of Wales, you used to walk through Cardiff City Centre and it's a beautiful, it's a really strange place, it's got a massive castle right in the centre, like, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, and it's a really beautiful castle inside. It was uh, redone up by a guy called the Marquis of Beauty, basically, um, uh, owned loads of stuff in Cardiff and handed it over to the people and said, wrote in the contracts that basically any time the government tries or police or anything like that, they've got police stations, hospitals and stuff. Anytime these businesses and these enterprises and the landers used for it and the builders that used for it, anytime they try to change it to anything private and it's not for the public, it reverts instantly back to the people and they can no longer use it. 
So we've got like a real special, like our, our aristocracy knew that the English were attacking us all the time. I mean, they took away our language. We used to ha hang around speaking Welsh on the street corners. If you get caught, then you you get stand be standing outside with with uh, a, a big plank of wood round you and you'd have to walk around to show everybody you were shamefully speaking your own language in your own country we've got a history a really deep history of being completely and utterly slaves for the english masters to having a uh, valley's community that lives sits just above me uh, um, most of my friends and uh, loved ones have somehow got relations with the valleys or have, uh, are from the valleys themselves and that place was just a coal mining area that was really uh, rich in in song and culture but they were taken advantage of they were all put into ha uh, uh, like really tiny houses and they were they were forced onto extremely low rate wages when they eventually stood up all they asked for was for bread and water like and uh, uh, maybe cheese i think might have been a request on the side <laughs> but, but that's all they asked for because they didn't have that you know my my ancestors came from um winston churchill when when the welsh complained about the hunger and the starvation and people starving on in the streets of these overpopulated mining uh, uh, towns that were completely and utterly uh, ruining the health and, and killing everybody in the, the, the hours they had to work and the things they had to do to make a living. When when uh, the, the Welsh people stood up and complained about it, Winston Churchill said in, in Parliament, we should go there and fill their bellies full of lead. That's what Whoa. the English felt. And that's what people like Winston Churchill meant to a Welshman growing up. You know, you, you've got to understand this is a we, we, we are little we, we've we, we're this little country that's been trapped in this bubble of time for 500 years and not allowed to progress in our own culture. And then after all of this, along come the globalists to try and homogenize the entirety of every country to take away the last of all of these like sort of little bits of culture that started around that uh, people at the same time in my country are trying to harness this culture and trying to uh, propagate it and make it you make it spread again make make sure people don't lose it at the same time they're trying to attack it from every angle all of the beautiful shops and buildings are being fitted out replaced with uh supermarkets with brands like tesco's and sainsbury's and it's the same thing on every single bloody town and there's nothing there's nothing everything's starting to homogenize and take away all that culture so i tell you what i didn't want to be a journalist chasing down uh the history of the wealthy and the elite i wanted to be a normal guy playing what i would describe as my music as acoustic punk uh th that turned into some sort of acoustic punk rock and roll hillbilly all sorts of confusion um which was really and, and i really what i wanted to just continue taking drugs and just like <laughs> completely ignoring life like you know and just being able to live life love and meet my friends and etc i wanted to do all of those lazy things but it, it came to around 2014 2015 where i'd already been researching for quite a while um for my own benefit you know i'd read a story and then i'd go away and be like oh bloody hell i'm interested in that and i i had already learned about like the epstein stuff very early on like you know really early on and i thought everybody kind of knew it I, I, you know, when, when I, I didn't realize quite how little people knew about stuff like that. And when, 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 you know, when you see something like that, and I, when I was about to, probably about 23, so 2003, 
there was lots of stuff going on. It was a Iraq war and stuff. And it was the first time where things started to come out on the internet, uh, where you actually got access to the truth for the first time. And you got the, 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 the kind of like the screen pulled uh, away. And I saw the effect on all my friends. I feared it. You know, I tried to put this off for a long time because I saw people go mad in 2003, 2004. I saw people was terrified um, to a level that meant they ruined their entire life, their entire relationship, all their existence for this fear that was being put on from above. That was all like an existential human crisis manifesting in war and and, and all. It, and and it's, it's not only that we've got a long history as we'll go through on 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 this article i've done recently we've got a long history of very uh, nasty pernicious people manipulating uh, our lives behind the scene uh, scenes and they do believe that they've got a right to they've got the moral or ethical authority to and they do see us as something different there is um and has been for many years a class war that is very uh, is very basic and simple. It's not a complex structure. There's one very elite class at the top. They're all families, they're all friends, they're all the people who are wealthy. People go up there all of the time, you know, they, they, and the select few get into those groups and into those families, etc. But when they need to do projects and operations that control the other class below, they will only choose from those select people above who will all happily go along with the agenda because it's part of their everyday life, their reality in their existence and we don't live majority of people don't live to see what their existence looks like so we're really detached from that and they hide a lot of it from us and every now and again we see a snake here we see a peak here we see we see something happen that, that we go oh god we've just seen behind the curtain quickly and then they cover up quickly or they just like put out one person a sacrificial lamb and then it all goes back to normal well it's not normal it's happening all of the time um the majority of society is controlled now the information that is coming out is just completely insane so where I was in the past was this um, was the same as most people scared about the idea of getting involved in this, scared about the idea that if I said something, someone may target me. Just a normal person, maybe a normal person, maybe someone I like will turn around and say, I don't like you anymore because you speak about something that I don't agree with because all of these people tell me. And I had experience when I first started writing, I had experience where I made a, a comment in a in like my first really terrible probably articles, didn't really have an idea of what the wider world looked like um but i i would say something really simple like um like uh, uh once i said the guardian newspaper in the uk was leaning towards the tories and a load of people said no they're not and i got really like oh my god maybe i'm wrong then okay <laughs> i'm sorry i'll go and change it straight away the guardian doesn't like the tories at all oh my god and you know that's where you start off you don't have any knowledge you don't have any understanding you can't work it out because it's all so absurd and it's like the Camus principle the philosophy yeah. principle of absurd going on all the time which confuses you and now they've really the the powers that be have embraced that for the past maybe 70 80 90 100 years they've embraced that absurdity to keep us all arguing over the, such the little stupid things while they create really complex social economic uh policies around us that will lead to an agenda that is globalism um will lead to an agenda that means one world government will lead to an agenda that will have all of the lines like new world order attached 
attached and everything because we all know where it's going and this isn't even the first incarnation of this type of thing you know what i'm discovering in my research is that the things that we see today like young global leader projects and and things they're all things that have manifested in the past in different ways and we're on an evolutionary process they're going about things very quickly and we're going about things very simply and slowly because at the same time that we're trying to work out what's going on and everything's so absurd we're being shot from the side all of the time so what what you know my journey has been one of the past i'd say very much six years really under trying to understand where my place in this would be um because at the start uh, everybody goes to the place where everybody is and tries to do that and i learned quite early on i had hints in my work very early on that my line was looking at family trees, looking at the, the um, heritage and, uh, of, of people, where they come from. Um, and I thought at first that was just like to simplify things. Uh, but it's a really interesting exploration that when you really look into families, you see loads of different things that go on and they're connected with all loads of wider different things. And it gives you a lot of context and understanding about um, about the wider world. But also in looking for family history and looking through that, what I learned was a skill to be able to find things that no one else could find about somebody. So I, I learned how to think um, very outside the box. So my recent article that I've written um, was probably uh, 11 months of thinking and one month of writing and research. You know, I, I, I'd already, I, I mean, I would say the research beforehand because that whole time before was looking trying to understand the whole context of everybody who's involved, where everybody was, what all the pieces, and then you've got to select your time for this to happen because every five years is this like change in, uh, and it allows them to hide away. So you're looking for like these these moments where um, you, can, you can find context and then you've got to dismember that, pull it all apart, find the main uh, structural points and then work your way all the way backwards to the start. Uh, even before the start, I go I go back before these people were even born uh, sometimes to find context with Bill Gates, for instance, I went back over 700 years to find context to understand what that guy is, uh, who that guy is and what it's all about. And you know what, however much you, I don't have to look for, I don't have to look for this. I don't have to look for this. It shows itself naturally. It's as soon as you understand what you're trying to get together. And for me, a lot of the time, for instance, in this article, I'm trying to get a really complicated information to people. And so what's the best way for me is chronologically profile three men so you can understand how they, they join and coalesce and how they become this one entity with this idea uh, at a time when that idea was needed and able to be put in place with the technology arising at the time. And then they start recruiting people for that agenda you know you can then form and uh, as the evidence forms itself you don't have to form anything the evidence forms itself and this is same with this article um then then uh, as with uh, other articles i've written that are really important you just study the thing from start to finish from top to bottom and you will see what it is that's how humans do things we study it in all different ways and a lot of the time you have to study it 
and look at it in ways that you don't, you know, you don't have a mind for. Um, I, I, I was a big fan of one movie when I was younger that I think changed my life in a sense and inspired me into this direction um, called Manhunter, uh, which was a Michael Mann movie and was based on uh, Red Dragon, uh, which was a book by um, Thomas Harris. It was based on Hannibal. It was the first appearance of Hannibal Lecter um, in, in something. And I was obsessed with this character, Will Graham, the, the main character in this, this book, this, uh, um, this movie and this book. Um, it's such an uh, amazing, amazing, like, uh, like this idea that you can go in and you can think about something, you look at things in different ways and you can learn how to do that. And I've spent the last six, seven years trying to develop that as a realistic skill. And it's not as like, oh, you sit down and you meditate and everything comes to you. It's not like, it's not a spooky thing or like some sort of special um, outside help that is needed for this. We've got a mind that once you put all the ingredients in your mind, all of the information, all of the, the all of those data, so I hate you saying that, the data, I like it like that, I'm a common boy. Um, as soon as you put all of that information within you and you're able to see um, things contextually, everything shows itself because it is truth and truth always shows itself. And you, you know, while they will try and manipulate, and this is really important, while they try to manipulate people and, um, and everywhere, like the whole of our societies, all of the population, everybody, while they try and manipulate everybody by using lies to make people do this over here. I'll tell a lie over here and that makes people do this over here. That means that lie's okay. That's a principle that needs to disappear from humanity completely. It has to be about you show people the truth over here and the output, input truth, output truth. Input crap, output crap. That's the way it works. That's the way everything works. You put in lies, you will get lies and you will get shit in return. And that's what they do. That's what their entire system is based on. There is no thing that you, you can find a million things that even the smallest down uh, people within this political or uh, social structure or this, this whatever structure we've got going on in this world nowadays, which is like it, it, it's it's hiding from us so we can't really define what it looks like it's just horrible um but this system these people within this system they're all stuck in it they're all stuck in it they don't know any better you have to um show them that they're not only on the wrong side of history um they're on the wrong side of humanity they're leading themselves to genocide. They're leading themselves towards the people who have no ideas. And when they're out of ideas, they kill them. They're leading uh, towards the normal things that humans have done for time immemorial. It's, it, it's been no different. There's been no change since there's been people uh, making civilizations. There's been war, disease, all of these different things. And most of all, people trying to get power so that they can do things by lying to people. We're entering a new world. We've got to stop that. So, sorry, it, it, you just asked me who I was, and that was my answer. <laughs> that was that's a beautiful answer, and I, I, I admire your energy, and I, I think that in that particular answer, you gave people a lot of ways to see the world the way you see it. I think that's beautiful. I think people should begin to recognize patterns Thank you. and understand that the patterns, once, like you said, once you begin recognizing patterns, you can go into the past and see that pattern. You can go into the mm -hmm. future and see that pattern, and, but more importantly, you can go inside yourself and see the pattern. 
and learn new oh, patterns. God, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, I, I, that's what we do, though. We, I mean, repatterning, uh, finding new patterns is how you succeed in life. Is how you succeed. Sorry, go on. Yeah, and so I, I, in 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 the last part of your statement, it makes me wonder if what we're seeing right now, like on some level, it seems to me that we're seeing. On on one hand, it's it's like the evolution of Orwell's three different blocks. And on the other hand, it appears that maybe they're just all screwing up and dummies and they're going to kill each other because they can't fight. They, all their lies are coming out and they hate each other. You know, I, is, I, is it really that orchestrated or is it just chaos? I, I thought, I, I've, I've thought about this a lot recently, especially with the idea of, of the blocks, because I, I, think, I think they're leading us towards what they see as order, what they see as if, if you... Uh, use all the ingredients they use let's go back to ingredients again if you nice. use all the ingredients they use to create a recipe you're going to end up at this road where you need global governance and mm. one 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 uh entity to write in all of the rules now however you go through these routes really these guys are um, the guys who have planned this out over years the guys that these this relates to i mean the guy who the guys who who gave schwab his first opportunities and pushed him out there into the world and gave him all these links and helped him set up they're all members of the council on foreign relations because it's these guys who are the guys who have created this vision from a time and an era which is completely nutty we watch it in movies now we go oh god these people were so so dumb these people were so stupid so simple are you seeing the same thing happen all over again because they simplified <laughs> us so badly that we've regressed the 1950s intelligence i mean these guys are all our, our vision of the future is based on these these sick puppies from the past um so where, where, where can we sorry go I, I forgot. I forgot what the question was. I just no. You were you were <laughs> you were addressing it perfectly. I, you know, it, it is that we have the Council on Foreign Relations, the Atlantic Council. You you spoke about uh, Schwab being the mentee of uh, Kahn and Kissinger and the Devil's Chessboard and all these old school ideas about where the world's going. And but the alter, the the question was: Is it chaos or is it oh. planned? And and yeah. I think what you were saying was that the uh, it, they're messing it up so bad that no matter what, it has to go to global government. So so yeah. But where does where, it, it, now? What I think is the real question that you probably want to ask there is: What's that next stage look like? Of how does this Perfect. look when they actually try and implement all of this? Which is what we're seeing now. So we're currently seeing. Um, the last throes of global government, uh, the push for global government. We're seeing, okay, China's basically lined up. Russia seemed like they were completely on board with the cyber polygon event, with Mikhail Mishustin, who's the prime minister heading up the World Economic Forum cyber polygon simulation, <laughs> right. with Spurbank, who being the main backers. And Spurbank are the ones who are looking uh, heavily involved in the World Economic Forum. Um, the, the, the head of Spurbank bank Herman Graf, Graf, I think his name is. Um, he he used to. Uh, he he's one of the main contributors to the World Economic Forums <laughs> in general. And they also want to set up this app, which means that everything you do in Russia goes through the Spurbank app. 
There will be no other banks. There will be no other. If you need to pay a bill, if you need to pay at the, the supermarket, if you need to do anything at all, if you need to check what the weather is or anything, it's all going through the Spurbank app. That's it. Everything. It will do everything. And they announced this idea at the Cyber Polygon event at World Economic Forum as well. You know, they, they seem on board with the agenda. And of course, um, Vladimir Putin is reportedly, uh, I, I found one report of it at least in a, in a in a proper paper, mainstream paper, <laughs> um, that, that said that there were three, in 1991, there were three uh, candidates from the KGB selected by the World Economic Forum as Russia's foremost patriots, uh, which was the alternative program to young global leaders for the Russians, and only included like three guys who were heavily linked with the KGB, including Putin, who would then, before he was installed in power, would then uh, be given, like, become the Grey Cardinal and become a mayor of a, a Russian town, and then suddenly would, would be installed, like, basically, nobody... If you go and look in the archives and stuff, no one knows about Putin until Boris Yeltsin's pointed at him and gone, it's this guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's that that's how he got installed anyway. And and that all comes from like a 1991 program. So he's installed in like 1999. So you get you got like this eight-year missing period where, where there's loads of stuff going on there as well. So so you, you know, these guys are all they, they all seem to be singing off the same hymn sheet. You go to China, singing off the same hymn sheet. Uh, Russia, yeah, but there's all this political stuff. It looks confusing, doesn't it? Then uh, Europe, all singing off the same hymn sheet. Um, the Anglo-American side seem to be pretending not to sing off the same hymn sheet, while at the same time, there's people like Hunter Biden and others going and really getting close with China, and they I mean, really close. Not only him, I mean, there's loads of people. Klaus Schwab's son himself, Olivier Schwab, is located in China and is heavily involved with that. So that'll be something I'll definitely be looking at the, in the future, Olivier. Um, the, 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 they all seem on board. The, to Latin American countries, nearly all of them, nearly all of them appear on board. So what's the problem? If they're all on board with the same agenda, why aren't they joining together? And it's quite simply because they, they, they're having this point where they're like, OK, now we if we do that, we're going to destroy nation states. We're going to take all authority away from <clears> the nation <throat> states. And that is when people go, what? You mean global conspiracy was true? Oh, my God. And, you know, that's the point when a load of people who, like me, and this is why I, I, I really I, I'm going to start expressing to people, I come from a country that's been attacked for years and years and years, where we've had our language taken away, where we've been, it's been literally criminalized. So now I'm speaking to you in English, where I, I prefer to speak to you with a much thicker Welsh accent, where I spoke Welsh for all of my life, because it, I, I feel like it's such a beautiful language in itself. It's what Elvis was basically based on. I mean, it it, it does sound a lot like Elvis. Uh, uh, Elvis, not Elvis. <laughs> I sound like Elvis. No, um, it, 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 it's, uh, it's a beautiful thing. There's so much history and so much unique culture um, that I don't want to see uh, destroyed, and they want to see just as it'll just be ca minor casualties of their globalist agenda. So, what can they achieve? 
so they could achieve some sort of like everything's the same and everything's going to be fine afterwards and it's going to be a corporate corporate utopia you know i i mean i can't even imagine what is in their mind for making business the main people who who create society except if it's like depopulation and getting rid of just shit loads of people let's just let's just get rid of that's what i think their their thinking is going to turn to now where are we now is really slightly different because I think that this agenda that had planned out kind of went a bit cockahooey, if that's a good good term for it. it. It went a little bit. It went a little bit nuts because they all planned the agenda out. I think that's going to be traceable, definable. That they all work together. I'm looking in 1980s and seeing um, China um, being brought really much more into the fold of the world economic community, and that being the start of where China's rising up within being an important member within that community. I think what China saw was all of these visions written out, and they were like, well, we can implement these so much faster than the other guys. And, you know, what we see in China is was designed by the World Economic <laughs> Forum boys in the 80s and 90s. You know, that was already designed even before that. You go back in, in my piece, I've, I've uh, attached um, a video, which is, I think it's around, it's the early 60s. It's Herman Kahn talking with um, a guy, Anthony J. Wiener. Not the same Anthony Wiener as you'd think. <laughs> I don't know if he's related, actually, because he's got a bit of a New York accent and stuff. And, 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 and he does seem like a freak boy. Um, because these guys are having a little conversation. And the shit they're talking about is exactly what we're seeing now. You know, everybody will have his ID cards. Uh, maybe we can put a bit of tranquilizer in the water supply. You know, this is this this was their thinking back then. This is one of the men who inspired and mentored Schwab. This is one of the mentees of Schwab. I love that 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 mentee. And I, you know. <laughs> Even someone who goes around writing all the time, I like. I, I don't appreciate the word unless there's someone else say it. Um, but yeah, these are the. This is the truth, and, and there's an amazing story uh, behind that. I mean, that that article in itself, and discovering who how these three men impacted in Schwab's life, it made Schwab make a hell of a lot more sense. Because Schwab, for me, had been. It was. It was the point where I had done the research. I'd done Schwab Family Values last year, which looked at his father's history working in a Nazi model company, um, working on the Nazi atomic bomb program, and then how he, Schwab went on to uh, form a company out of that company called Schultz AG, out of a merger from that company with Brown Bavari, Schultz uh, and Escher Weiss, and merged them all together. Schultz AG came out, and at the same time that that was going on, they were selling uh, parts for nuclear weapons for firm nuclear weapons to aid in South Africa's illegal nuclear bomb uh, project. So in program. So you've got you've got the Schwab father doing exactly the same illegal, horrible business. I mean atomic Nazis get the atomic bomb. That's fucking through the looking glass. If Schwab's dad had helped them out enough and that had happened, we wouldn't have the World Economic Forum in its current form. I can promise you that there would be a lot more like flipping up the old hand going on there. Because that's who they are. That's who they are. The the Nazis weren't tin sold. I, I I tweeted this out the other day. I, I, really, really important. The Nazis weren't guys running around big hench guys in tin helmets. They they weren't these crazy over the top screaming like leaders who were on the TV were propagandists. Um, they they weren't the 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 skinheads and the 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 um the 
white shirted guys that we see uh the white vested guys that we see on on uh, the media today it, they weren't any of those they were bureaucrats who were into technology they were the new they were the new emerging technocracy technocracy had was a weird thing technocracy came from the 1930s and it wasn't kind of like an ideological movement it was an actual membership group and it had a certain agenda attached to it and you know there's a lot of what happened during world war ii when we look at the real horrors of what happened during World War II, well, all of those things were due to them using technologies that they wanted to use and they should never have used. So, and then I mean, you're using them now. I mean, if you if you look at what happened to a lot of the people in the, the Jewish prison camps, like the same experiments are going on now. Now they're just using right. DNA. Now it's out on the open. People are volunteering for it. Hey, get it done to your kids. Hey, yeah, yeah, and, here, and you, you can know? understand because these guys, like, like I say, I, I mean, for, for people who don't understand that principle, that the Nazis Please. just joined the other side, it was literally that these bureaucrats and these thinkers and philosophers weren't, weren't uh, they, they could be um, made to look like they were just, uh, caught up in it all you know von papin would would not not serve any time that much time i think he might have served like a couple of months in prison or something for his crimes but he would go back into politics afterwards you know these guys didn't disappear in actual fact operation paperclip and other operations happened that just moved the bureaucrats the philosophers the the, the philosophy behind um the, the the actual manifestation of horror that we saw during nazi germany the those people, they're not really Nazis per se. They're something else. Um, they will latch on to any ideology like they latched on to Nazis. They're the technocrats. They believe technology is the key for everything. And in doing that, they automatically lose humanity because the two things are inextricably uh, they, they, they're just they're, they're opposites they are uh, they, they cannot be anything but the idea of humanity and the idea of technology two different things they want them to all become the same thing and it's always about the same thing isn't it it's always about keeping their heart beating so that they can drink some more uh, uh fine wine and and yeah. dip it, some some more croutons into the, the wonderful caviar that they have uh lying around and now and again i've had the option of tasting a bit of that caviar and i've been like oh that's all right you know <laughs> but you're a bit weird aren't you <laughs> oh, <edge laughs> out the side of the door uh, but yeah yeah it, it, I, Sorry. Um, hey, it's on. hilarious. I, I'm, yeah, I, so, I, I'm, I'm just rambling here. <laughs> it's awesome. It's all good points. It, it makes me think like I, I had this idea too, like, and I want to tie this pattern together. When you talk about Klaus Schwab's father doing the same thing he did, isn't it weird that he wrote into the World Economic Forum that his kid will always be in charge? It's kind of like his dad probably wrote that in there. And yeah, if you yeah, think yeah. about if you think about object or a project paperclip, like we move all the science, we move a bunch of scientists over to the US. Like I was thinking recently, and this is just pure conjecture, but you know, what happened to the children of the project paperclip scientists? Like, isn't it weird? Like there's all these people in American politics that like, like I, I look at Lex Friedman and I'm like, dude, what does this guy do? Like, mm. wh who is this guy? Look at his dad. His dad was Listen, probably okay. You don't want to start me. I have never said vocally <laughs> about about like. Listen, they they, they he's are... got to be Project Paperclip progeny. If, I tweeted at if, him. I'm like, if COVID if COVID hadn't happened, 
um i'd be right concentrating on the teal verse what we call the teal verse in my game oh, um the I'd teal verse i love that yeah i i that that's uh, uh, that's whitney webb who i think uh, uh okay that term um okay because because we'd be completely like concentrated on that if it wasn't for all of the the shit that's happened uh, around well maybe that's what because... they don't want us concentrating on <laughs> well yeah that's one of the things they don't want us concentrating on remember there's not just one thing they don't want us concentrating on. <laughs> that's so that's true what they want us concentrating on that it may just be one thing that we, we should all be concentrating on when it's actually we should be concentrating on the fact there's loads of things we should be concentrating right on. right um, instead because, of the blindness yeah th this is an interesting thing about conspiracies is that it's done by small groups small uh, actors it's usually a group of around five who uh commit large um wide-scale conspiracies um i've seen this over and over again you know in in this case you could say the conspiracy to set up the world economic forum as though it was its own uh in a, like creation from europeans and etc that is a conspiracy that is a conspiracy for it you needed at least four people um who i i've identified of course there'll be others there will be others because when schwab went over with um uh, uh galbraith and um khan to europe to convince people to support the world economic forum idea and to come to the first world economic forum he didn't only bring those two he did bring a few other people too i think i i, I think uh, one of the things that i do or i try to do is make sure that i are you still here are we still i mean i'm here yeah ah, absolutely get, get, get. Ah, okay cool um uh, i wasn't sure if my computer room might be freezing a little bit mm -hmm. um uh but what what one of the things that you you can um well you you can see that conspiracies do exist they're very small they need to be kept under control and that is one of the reasons why schwab's written in as like lifelong leader for the world economic forum because they could not allow a project that was backed by um u.s state department right. uh, employees so much because you have to remember when schwab was being recruited herman khan's working for the state department uh gal brace he doesn't want to be an advisor to johnson because he hates johnson and i think that was something to do with the um the the kennedy stuff because he he was advisor to kennedy um but he also was the teacher the professor at harvard who taught jfk that's bloody insane i mean when you read when, when, when you know that Galbraith, the, the two men, I mean, for people who haven't read the article yet, I wrote an article recently called it Dr. Klaus Schwab uh, <laughs> or how the CFR taught me to stop worrying and love the bomb, which is, of course, of course I, I mean, for, for some people, they may think, oh, he's just used the title of a movie. But there's very, very significant links to that movie within the article. <laughs> Extremely significant links, like the real Dr. Strangelove is in it. So, I mean, I, I mean you can't help to find the, the link. I, 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 it's, about, it's about the three men who recruited Schwab through an international seminar um, this international seminar was created um, by a man called William uh, Yandel Elliott. And anybody who would uh, go and look into William Yandel Elliott will go, holy shit, who's the hell is this guy? Why have I never heard of his name? Advisor to six US presidents, a extreme grandee of the Council on Foreign Relations, and a real hidden hand. Um, and you know, you, you say, oh, well, he was in public politics, so how hidden could he be? Well, he was very bloody doing loads of other things too. So he was very hidden. Um, he, he was someone who uh, um, had, had 
helped Kissinger along, but he was also someone who would create uh, this international seminar at Harvard, which would run at summer schools. So while the terms weren't in between terms, which I think is very clever for if you don't want a load of students popping in to find out what's going on in the lecture halls um, with all of these like really, really dodgy <laughs> folk who are going to end up being leaders of the world. But you don't want no, no students hanging around there. So let's do it in summer school. Um, he, William uh, Yandel Elliott would put Henry Kissinger as executive director of the course. Uh, Henry Kissinger was recruited by the CFR in 1951, would do the nuclear working groups um, for the CFR through the mid 60s and became through the CFR one of the most uh, powerful foreign policy dash thermonuclear war experts um, at the time when oh they just needed that so so um so you know Kissinger was very much CFR Galbraith very much CFR Herman Kahn wrote for the CFR on a couple of occasions but I mean his links are harder of course to to, to come across but yeah um these three men would uh would be introduced uh, Kissinger would meet Schwab who would attend these seminars uh these international seminars now Schwab uh the young Klaus Schwab would have been um uh, in his 20s and uh he was noted uh really was he, was he in his 20s or was he in his 30s well he was pretty young but he, he he was noted um straight away by Kissinger as being special and introduced to Galbraith and Kahn who were like really significant people to introduce people to um and these guys would um basically help would recruit Schwab to create something that would allow them to implant US aligned foreign policy into Europe um, in the creation of what was the World Economic Forum was originally called the European Management Symposium that was changed after a couple of years to the European Management Forum and that was changed in I think the 90s to the World Economic Forum so you've got this like um, this this thing that was oh look it's European it's for writing policies and it just happens to be created by three of the most important people behind writing policies for Europe at that time, who were all uh, focusing by that time on Europe with um, Galbraith and Kissinger taking part together in the Mandeville lectures, which were focused on um, uh, Europe uh, and uh, foreign policy related, American foreign policy related to Europe. In 1966, Kissinger was put in part of a charge of a, a working group looking at how they can um, uh, affect European um, foreign policy and create a, a leadership group and etc within it and those were all CFR grandees as well in that um, and other people from other dodgy and shady institutions and foundations uh, these guys these guys would be uh, vital in um, making putting Schwab installing Schwab and who they are is amazing because Kissinger most people know is is pretty dodgy always intelligence you know CFR link with CIA I mean, that international seminar they recruit uh, Schwab through is funded $146,000 from the CIA while Schwab is going there. So, I mean, he can't even hide away from it. And the, the, but these other men, Galbraith, is really interesting because where Kissinger looks at foreign policy relating to Europe and relating to thermonuclear war, which, of course, we're in the Cold War era. Um, so, so that's really hot topic hot <laughs> super hot <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but you've also got you've also got um uh, john kenneth galbraith being the man who writes economic and social policies he had studied land policies under hitler in 1938 his wife lived with um oh what's her name uh 
Mitford. Oh, I can't. I, I always forget. As soon as I get round to it, I always forget her name. She's so annoying. Um, but she was. She she Hitler's bloody Hitler's bloody girlfriend. His wife lived with Hitler's bloody girlfriend while she was going out with Hitler. What? You know, it's like it's bizarre things. And then he goes back to Harvard, uh, where he's teaching like. Uh, the Kennedys, and eventually he'll um, he'll be in the Kennedy cabinet. And when Kennedy gets uh, um, the magic bullet in him, uh, they, they they will um, he will be the one who drafts Johnson's first speech after the assassination. That's a massive moment in history. Massive. Then yeah. he'll he'll act as uh, John Kenneth Galbraith will act as like I'm against the Vietnam War. Yeah, Kennedy actually sent him over to the Vietnam uh, to Vietnam to check out the um, the one of the, the reports that had been made and he, he Galbraith said oh withdraw you start withdrawing your troops now um and so he had started doing that and then later on Kennedy gets popped and I think maybe Galbraith felt uh, maybe there was a link there so <laughs> but I, I think there was plenty of people in the CFR who didn't like Kennedy very much and didn't like the fact they they could couldn't manipulate him like they could others because the Kennedy brothers are real anomaly a couple of anomalies in history where you look at them and you're like how the hell did they manage to slip through the gaps like and <laughs> And that, that that's because they, they you know they, they latch on to that that want for something new and something different so well. Um, but they were a good example of what happens to people who try and 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 walk that path. Because I have to say, out of all of the people in history that I look at for American politics, I'm always like, Ugh. and when it gets to Bobby and Jack Kennedy for all of their little naughtiness around the back, um, wow. What a pair of guys they were! Whew. They were anomaly in modern history, and they caused a lot of problems. So I think Galbraith afterwards he concentrated on the Vietnam. He refused uh, on Vietnam. He helped uh, Eugene McCarthy um, uh, his his election um, uh, campaign. Uh, he refused to help Robert Kennedy. Um, I did read in one of his books. They said something, something like, oh, he didn't like his cocky style and all of this. So I I, I think he was very like a little bit, you know. He loved JFK, but in his own way. I don't know how that way, what, what way that was. <laughs> um, whatever type of emotion he 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 calls love, he felt that for for JFK. Um, but but Bobby Kennedy didn't like so much, so he didn't support him. And he would start up like this movement, uh, Democracy Now movement or whatever, or talks now, um, which was to stop the Vietnam War and stuff. And he would fight against that a lot. But at the same time, he would be joining alongside Kissinger, who was weirdly like escalating the war at the same time and helping escalate the war. And at the same time, they're joining together. They're joining forces to concentrate on Europe. Like, oh, uh, this guy, we're, we're completely opposite on, on this view over here. But when we combine over to here, we're best mates. You know, we agree on everything. That That sort of thing is always like, well, at the end of the day, you're CFR, so you've got a job to do, haven't you? You've got to serve your masters. Um, and that's what they were they were doing. They were serving their masters. Um, I think all of these guys were serving their masters. So so Galbraith eventually, uh, after all of this massive, amazing, um, uh, amazing history he had, uh, by the, the, the 60s and 70s, I think he was looking to, to concentrate on something which meant that he could spend a lot of time in Europe. Uh, he would write a lot more about Europe before he had written about lots of other different things. He'd written mainly about economics through all of his life, like just about economics. Um, uh, some big books as well, and he had, he had uh, uh, coined some big terms and stuff. You know, he was a big thinker, and he was a, a, big, a big guy. And then, of course, the other person, 
alongside uh, he would be the first keynote speaker at the world economic forum he would go across with schwab and khan uh, to convince people to come on board he would be one of the, the the most important people to making the thing a reality uh herman khan is one of the most interesting people in human history in my opinion um herman khan is the other man and um who was who was with galbraith to help push for this and who was introduced to kissinger through this international seminar um uh, to schwab and in schwab would obviously see something amazing in khan like most people did because khan was someone at the time who was like he was gold he could prof correctly prophesy the future Fuck, man any of us if any of us could have somebody who could tell us what the future is going to be then we'd be right in there straight away and uh and he could do that but he could, he did it through game theory he didn't do it just by mm. sitting around and having a thing he did it through um uh, mapping out all of the possibilities and then working out which ones wouldn't happen which ones would happen so this is what he did with thermonuclear war from the 50s for the hudson institute um and by 1960 1961 he was published some big works including on thermonuclear war in 1961 which would be the inspiration for dr strangelove uh, the ideas within it because it's all about nuclear deterrence and that's what he's writing about before as well um how you deter um because it's a real complex thing but it's not that complex it's three things basically <laughs> how to deter from a, a basic nuclear attack which is easy you just have loads of nukes on the other side so they don't do it um how to deter from the things that come from the the things that come from that dynamic um that's a little bit more complicated and then the other one's like how to deter the things that you need to deter by deterring <laughs> things uh, <laughs> by making them non-profitable uh, as a deterrence you know it, it becomes through the looking glass and that's where Khan was able to really um uh, flourish <laughs> in his skills because he can do the impossible um by 1967 he was writing something which obviously would inspire schwab and he must have been writing it as he was meeting schwab because it was uh the year 2000 which was their attempt to look forward at where we would be in, in the millennium and the technology technological advances that we would experience there and it is incredible it's incredible how accurate they were it's incredible uh, uh about um how many technologies of the future they managed to to hit on the head the majority of them haven't come into a fruition yet but are nearly there they're just right around the corner so we know they're coming and basically schwab uh obviously must have been heavily affected by khan and this idea um and they were also he was also being recruited to form this organization with the help of people like khan and by this point they they knew that there wasn't going to be nuclear war and basically this was all about the third part of the deterrence this was all about working out what you can do to stop other things and to control other things and to, to manipulate behind the scenes and at the same time as he was releasing the year 2000 um which would show all these technological advancements he would also be releasing an, an ancillary document they were writing at the Hudson institute in private by the side on the side which would map out how to install leaders um who can make all of these things happen how to uh, create a leadership group and it is really i think a, a, um, a kind of a study 
from what they had learned from the international seminars and uh, would map out what would eventually be um, uh, the, I, I, I think, I, I, would, I would think that it wouldn't be like the direct uh, next step from the international seminars, like international seminars and young global leaders, because there was massive decades in between. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's another project in there that's run by roughly these same people doing roughly the same things that would explain some of the leaders in between. Um, some of these people, um, so some of these uh, leaders are just establishment leaders, but all over the world we've had some interesting characters in during those periods, and it's quite traceable. So you look at you look at Galbraith as well. At the beginning of the 60s, a group he set up uh, to be against war and stuff uh, included Ronald Reagan and stuff. So, I mean, they, he was a massive influence to major leaders in the future. Or was he the person who had to select major leaders in the future? Because it seems that when you actually look into it all, it's, there's no democratic process here at all. These guys are groomed and put into to, to power, and all of the rest of it is just like a fear to show for us to think that we're actually voting for someone different when they're both from the same side they'd worked that out early they'd been doing it for years and years they just had to do it more strategically and over the decades that has advanced and one of the places that advanced from was this international seminar where Schwab was originally recruited by Henry Kissinger through a CIA funded program now it's funded by a conduit but it was a known conduit and Harvard themselves would find out about it write a report Humphrey Dorman, I think his name was, write a report in 1967, the year Schwab was leaving Harvard, saying, look, these are the, these courses have been funded by the CIA, and uh, this is quite terrible, and <laughs> we, we should um, we, we should we, we should really uh, look into this. And then Harvard Crimson released this, um, which is the magazine for Harvard, uh, released this uh, article out, and it's attributed to no author, and it basically says, oh, yes, but, you know, None of there was no there was no recruiting or anything going on. There was there no there was nothing dodgy going on. There was just normal courses. They couldn't. They it was during the summer school. They can they couldn't influence what was being taught at Harvard. So it's okay. It's okay. And at the end of it, they're like they're in in this little piece. They say um and uh, anyway, you know, uh, if we didn't take the money from this shady organization, they'd always find another form of accuracy to go through and that's like a pun meaning intelligence so it's like a piss take it's at the time they're like yeah so it's funded by the CA what are you going to do about it well I tell you what you're going to do about it we're going to wait for 50 years and someone like me is going to discover that that was a CIA funded course and make the link and work out who came through that course and discover how Schwab one of the most powerful men in the world came through that course which was run by Henry Kissinger that's what we're going to do about it, Harvard. So, you know, the most intelligent, one of the most intelligent places in America, and they were so dumb in the past. I mean, they could not see what agenda was being created because they were too busy being superior, believing mm. everybody. And they're yep. still doing that today. Yep. It's the hubris that we see from yep. the downfall of the major people at the top. Um, people like me and you, we try and be down to earth with the normal people. We try and understand what's going on, but it all seems a bit kooky and, and strange like there's all, a load of incestuous guys running the country or something <laughs> um, <laughs> we try we try and remain like being normal but honestly man this stuff is nuts this stuff these people they are you can map them out it is really is it, it it takes a long time it takes a while to understand what you should be looking at and what you shouldn't be looking at um that's what i've i i've i've got down to and and honestly um 
I, I, I would say <laughs> from my work over four or five years, I may made two thousand pounds or something. I know, <laughs> just like I just have not monetized. I, I should have monetized my world. Uh, you know, I, I a lot of this, a lot of like proper researchers out there who are doing the actual hard graft of looking through stuff and trying to you know, find all the documents of the past and all the information from the past. Uh, uh, like me, I was sitting behind a hotel reception desk where I'd have to run up and unblock people's toilets uh, quickly and run back down and finish researching yep. the world elite um, so that I could bring <laughs> them down. I mean, I mean, it shouldn't be, like I said at the start, it shouldn't be up to people like me, but there's been a massive... Um, the, the the truth has been neglected by the press the press is set up in a way that means you enter into the press and you're covering this or that but the true stories you have to find so you can't find a true story if you're focused here and focused there and the true story is underneath it all so so the whole thing is set up to mean that people don't look in the right place it's as simple as that so i'm i'm in a situation now where i'm like i try but they wouldn't even let me do english and history in school because i used to set things on fire and stuff <laughs> <laughs> Among other things, I, yeah. I, mean, I, I got blamed for everything that happened in my high school. Literally, like you know, I was once held in a room, like like Guantanamo Bay style, like for for basically two days being interrogated about the destruction of the sixth form toilet because it must have been me. And the thing is, I knew everybody who did it, but I'm not a fucking squealer. I'm not going right. to say anything. I ended up saying, "Oh bloody hell! Why don't you go and talk to a squealer like so and so?" And they went, "Oh yeah, yeah." yeah. <laughs> and he was an arsehole I didn't like at all. Unfortunately, yeah. in that sense, I probably did squeal on everyone because they call, called him in two days after interrogating me and weird interrogation in school. They uh, they eventually they eventually he he named everybody in five minutes and burst out into tears. But th there's always been this there's always been this feeling that, that I've not been allowed to study this stuff. And I, that's been from very young on, you know, in my life. And I've always felt that, okay, well, you tell me not to do something, I may as well set it on fire. That's always <laughs> been my kind of, my kind of like, like way in the world. So, so now I'm here. Now I'm here reporting on serious stuff, trying to do serious work trying to make sure that I map everything out in a way that means that there's no, um, you know, I give my opinions at the end of the uh, end of the piece, and I do that with all pieces. I, I have to give a little bit of my opinion. I try and, and make it measured. I mean, it's really hard to be measured when you're dealing with this type of people because I don't understand them, man. I don't understand why they do what they do. I don't understand what motivates them. I don't understand how they can look in the eyes of their kids and think that they're mm. doing a nice thing. I think that they I, I think they're completely detached from something. And that that is something that comes from a real like uh, I, I just think it comes from very people who haven't had a certain experiences in their life because they've been forced to do all of this hard work to come into a position where they're just going to end up not having any actual power or use their knowledge. Instead, they're going to be told how to manipulate the levers of their company or their society or their, their little membership group so that they can influence other things. I don't think they have, um, have had a, a um, uh, spiritual uh, kind of existence early on um, that has allowed them to understand a connection with other humans and uh, etc. So I think there's something, I think there's a, a level of that within why these people are so far removed from reality as well and seem so different from a lot of the people that me and 
you and I would would uh, would would hang around with. So I I don't know what we're dealing with uh, most of the time, but all I can do is stick down the things I find onto a paper in a form that makes other people be able to understand it easier than than reading a book, a long book or seven books about it. You know, because because it is really hard to, to kind of grasp what's going on if you're not aware of the context. So I try and give people a little bit of context to everything. And I try and look for the things that no one else has found. That comes from the family um, history searching type of stuff. I've learned different ways and techniques to look at information and where it may be stored or where you may find it because nearly everything that is important is written down somewhere, uh, usually in multiple places. And people don't really realize it because they go out and they stick words in Google. And then they get like this, oh, oh God, is it there? No. Is it there? No. Oh my God, will I ever find it? You're on the third link, you know. Um, the, 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 there is a different way of approaching um, looking at information um, and like a, getting rid of the noise around information. There's so much um, stuff you don't need that you can get distracted by. And, you you know, some interesting points you'll come across that aren't related that you can just put to the side. You don't have to throw them away. They'll come up again. Remember everything you, you go through and, and they'll come up again and again because these guys, their their story is wide. It's, their narrative is large. It's complicated. It changes depending on which little control structure you're in. But basically, they're all linked to the same agenda. And that agenda is forming um, what I think is now turning into basically two states. So where we, we see the ideal of free states, I think the Anglo-American state has um, dominated Europe so much that there is no return for Europe. Europe, America, Britain, all of that aligned. Um, the, the majority of Europe, I don't think there's any way back. So I think that we're now down to a point where we're seeing the formation of two states. And we're seeing, uh, we're going to see in the next year uh, or two, some big names flip over allegiances. So that'll come with the crash of the economy. And that'll come to do with the petrodollar and, and that, which is not only on its way out, uh, by what I hear on the underground is about to burn. And you're talking months away from one of the biggest financial crises biggest manufactured financial crisis you could ever have because that's what they need so we're, we're we're heading towards somewhere where saudi arabia and countries like that will no longer have um that sort of power over the world due to oil etc um and 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 the, it is going to flip the power dynamics. So expect to see a couple of countries who have been aligned with the West change side. I expect to see the attempt of turning Turkey um, uh, east looking rather than west looking. And expect to see a line that goes from all the way up the top of Karelia in the north of Russia all the way along, all the way down the Arab Peninsula and stopping right down the bottom. Expect to see a complete iron curtain of the biggest kind. And behind that wall, China will say, well, we've advanced really quickly. And now it, this is one of the problems with the agenda. And what I was saying earlier, they've advanced so quickly. The other countries now look like they're copying China. But it's the mm -hmm. same agenda. 
So <clears> it's looking different. So now, if the West uh, take on uh, all of these things that the China are doing, social credit systems, it's only going to look Chinese. But this isn't. You're what, you're what we're watching is a manifestation of the same ideology uh, being delivered at, at hyper speed in an air, in a country where they've got less rights and less less power. And so what's happening in the West, you're seeing, is they're finding reasons to take away our rights and our power to leave us in a situation that they can then get on with that as quickly as possible because it is the agenda. That's the agenda of the World Economic Forum. That's the agenda of globalism. They need to combine it all together. So China's just a lot further down the road. So I think uh, it'll be just like China will be a bit of a standoff and won't be involved because they don't need to be because they won't be part of that Western European border. They're on the other side. They're not going to get involved. No one's going to go in... What invade China so they can attack Russia? That would be crazy. And China's not to get involved. Um, you, what you're seeing is the two power blocks forming. I think. I think Europe and America are merging together. And then when I've done all of this research, that is just backed up by the fact that Herman Kahn states perfectly in the documents what the ideal thing we could see is America and Europe being one super state. That's what we want. That's what they say. That's at the time. That's when they're recruiting Schwab. That's why Henry Kissinger is, is looking towards the same thing. That's why uh, uh, that's when John Kenneth Galbraith is looking towards the same thing. They want to combine it, and that is a Rhodesian ideal. That comes from roundtable groups. That comes from CFR, Chatham House in the UK. That comes from the same things of the past that we've been trying. We've been trying to tell people, look, this has been going on for years, and it's bloody silly. Well, they built the infrastructure to allow it to continue over and over again. I mean, I bet, I bet you the Council on Foreign Relations buildings are pretty swanky and they, 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 they're not they probably own them completely. You know, the, the, these guys have a lot of sway, a lot of power, a lot of money, a lot of the people who are um, the real power in society are all members of these groups. And we are being uh, run amok. But what happens next? These super states uh, tell the world we're going to form into a globalist super state and every nation state has an eruption of complete and utter horror as people work out that their culture is about to be uh, deleted and homogenized from the human race. And that's where I think is the best possibility of coming back against this is the fact that we've got to embrace our cultures. We've got to do the opposite every single thing they say so when they say don't have babies uh we gotta have loads of babies oh sorry <laughs> <laughs> just the way um be scared of this don't be scared of that be scared of this don't be scared of that just live your life be happy don't use their currencies don't believe them don't trust them don't invest in their businesses don't buy from people who align with them it's time to start lobbying our countries for having people arrested for treason um, because the people who are aligned with the world economic forum have committed treason on a scale like never seen before um, in nearly every country in the world and if you care about your nation states well we want to see uh, people like in my country in the UK I want to see Tony Blair in jail I want to see Gordon Brown in jail I want to see Ed Miliband in jail I want to see Ed Balls in jail damn David Cameron in jail I want to see Boris Johnson in jail I want to see them all 
all in jail because their old World Economic Forum young global leaders installed into power through a manipulated gerrymandered system to change our politics, to take us to war, to line us with these complete criminals and these complete crooks, to take away our identities of all our nation states and undermine our nation states to an extent that they form a super state that will then be uh, beholden to some other power that is non-elected and is completely and utterly um, against all what we see as good morally and ethically. What, what we've got to do is see countries actually hold these treasonous bastards to account. Say, right, you, you're either going to tell us everything that happened in these events, you're going to tell us all of the information, you're going to tell us every person that that came through these events, only these events, you don't want to know about their private lives, I want to know about these events, what they've been doing, how they've helped, how they've manipulated society, and how they've been installed into government, and we need to turn our focus on making sure that all of these people are broken apart and start talking about the past, start talking about their experiences in the World Economic Forum, young global leaders, because these people are going to have to distance themselves from these globalist dictators. They have to. If they want to remain with with, with any type of um, uh, respect after the revolution, and that's what I'm saying, after the revolution, after the revolution, think about it. All of these people, people like in my country, um, Ed Balls and Yvette Cooper, who work for the Labour Party and have tried to help install this and, and manipulate things behind the scenes. Once you're being prosecuted and we see all of the information of how you've done this, you will deserve to be in prison for the rest of your life. All of these people have committed such level of treason that it's led to millions of people dying all different disasters that have been manufactured and created, including wars, including Iraq, including all of that. That was all done by World Economic Forum young global leaders as well, wasn't it? So let's let's start talking about holding these people to account on an actual legal basis, exposing the actual agenda so that the CFR can no longer run, so the CFR can no longer hide, so that the CIA and people like that can be shown for manipulating our society for many years so we can see the truth. Because that's the only way to uh, battle against what they do, which is so, uh, so lies to make other people do things in other places and take other actions that are against their self-interest uh, or their better interest and the interest of their friends and families and their communities and instead we need to focus on who these guys are what they've done and we need to hold them properly to account we need to hold them properly to account um i, I also say um if you want to read a book we we is uh, the original dystopian uh book that's before Orwell and Huxley, um, and is what really made them look towards that as well, uh, uh, as well as their friends all being members of the CFR and stuff. So they knew what type of world these people were creating because they talked about it around the dinner table, you bloody idiots. As they're writing their book, oh, this is great. Tell me a little more. You say, what? And people are going to lie on the bed and they're going to be horrible and ugly and it's going to be illegal to sleep with them and then they're going to sleep with them. Oh, tell us more. You know, this is... This is the world, honestly, this is the world that they've been creating and they've been fantasizing about for a hundred years. It's bloody absurd. So let's stop it. That's it. That's it. That's all, That's all I got to say, but it's not. That, is, that was a beautiful, my friend. That was a beautiful <laughs> speech right there and a call to arms. You know, I mm. I, I, couldn't agree more. I, I, I often wonder if, 
if the spark of the revolution, while I believe you're seeing beginnings of it now, if you look back into a lot of histories, you usually see a few factions or a few people decide like, hey, we're breaking with these guys and we're going to call them out. And there's an interesting guy named Tom Luongo who's a, he's a, a Florida Italian guy. He's a real firebrand. He's, he's one of us. And uh, he's saying that what he has been noticing is he thinks that like uh, the, the chairman of the Fed and that particular branch, like the Jamie Diamonds and all these banks that are, you know, small banks, they're beginning to see, wait a minute, we're going to be cut out of this freaking deal here and we're going to lose our ability to distribute money to the people. We can't charge interest. And he says that he, what he is seeing is a beginning of a fight back from this particular branch of these big banks fighting what is going to be these new CBDCs coming out, which if, I think Whitney Webb posted something about the Financial Times and the coming CBDCs. They need to have this national ID in order to make it run effectively. Can you speak on that a little bit? Well, well I, I, just to, to say, go back, like yeah. I say, Herman Kahn saying in the 60s, they'll all have their, everybody will have his IDs. Everybody right. will have his right. ID cards because you have to. To, to implement any type of um, a techno state like they want, a te techno fascist, <laughs> communist, Nazi, bloody pedophile. Thing. Yeah, it's just <laughs> awful. I mean, I mean, well, if you look at one of the presidents of the World Economic Forum, was a man named Ted Heath. Okay, mm -hmm. do your research about Edward Heath and 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 vomit in a bucket for four weeks. Um, yeah, sorry. What was the what was the question again? I, 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 the I coming, thought about techno. that's all right. The coming CBDCs and the ID card yeah. that they're trying to force through. Yeah, of course they're going to have to. They're going to have to merge. Um, uh, they're going to have to uh, take away people's money and people's access to money because that's the only way to control people, really. And I, I, I really, I, I think that this is one of the hardest steps they, they, they're going to have to do because. Um, they have to give something to all of these bankers who have got all of this <laughs> money over here. They're like, well, we've all got all this money we need. <laughs> Obviously, there's going to have to be some form of, um, and it, I think we could say, we could call it a, a pure transfer of wealth from one system to another. So, right. so gonna, they're going to have to come up with an idea like this, and it's going to have to be representative of something that will bring the bankers in. And like I say, there's this whole class above, and they're all working together so they'll find them they'll find a way right. it. those guys those guys will sit around a load of tables of a certain shape and they will all have <laughs> their nice little conversations about it and all come to their decisions and you know Catherine austin fitz does mm. amazing work talking she does. about this stuff she's one of the most intelligent women around god man I, I if you if you want a financial advisor go listen to her and then you don't have to pay like thousands of thousands of thousands of pounds um also you know she'll her, her vision of, uh, or her what she sees coming um is is quite uh dark is quite dark place and it's coming very soon um they're yeah. gonna have to it's gonna have to the collapse is gonna have to happen and they've been planning this rollout a cbdc's and we know we know they're gonna say it at some point out loud you know they got they're gonna have to say it your money is gonna have to be transferred into a digital way they're going to have to say it out loud. Now, they haven't really, they, all they've been doing is attacking digital currencies. So I can't see how they go from one to the other without it being complete and at a turmoil all over the place and people being left behind and all of that. And that's part of their 
process in their system. Uh, at the moment, they're at, a, they're at a situation where they need to create chaos. They need right. to. They yeah. have um, grown up a debt that isn't monetary. It's um, uh, an ideological debt, I suppose. It's one that that's a moral and ethical debt that has to be paid to people who they've been claiming to represent. And so they've got to flip that representation around in some way, shape or form that says, OK, now we no longer represent you and you have no representation. <laughs> and This is a new society we've created. But and, and in the meantime, they also need to to say loads of different things and have loads of different things happening. So that you don't know what the hell's going on so that they can just do it um because that's what they've been doing all along we're so late to the party they've created all yeah. this system already it's all ready to go um i i don't i i i i'm not sure how we undermine it without them turning without first them turning against each other in some way shape or form so i i, I i'm I, I was i was i think i'm a little bit happy by or made a little bit positive by seeing things like Spurbank in Russia and China wanting to dominate their own sort of digital currencies. And then that means that it kind of like turns back into a national system, um, <laughs> which then scuppers the globalist system. I think this is the problem they're going to have when they, they come up to this point of trying to create global governments. They can do it, but but you have to get guy over here who looks a little bit different and thinks a little bit differently to guy over here doing the same thing and they're just not going to so so at the end of the day they're going to say no but if you're in control and you're in control so we'll, we'll, we'll keep it we're creating one we've done this we did look central bank digital currency that's what we got yeah we got one of those too i so i i see um a creation of a load of things that aren't going to work and are going to collapse in some way shape or form i see um like that's positive for them they can keep nailing away and all that happens is that me and you end a bargain with our neighbors because we can't afford food so that, that that's not very positive sorry <laughs> <laughs> it's okay you can, if you look closely you can see that you know when when you go on twitter or whatever like you can have any opinion you want you can you can say i'm with ukraine i'm with russia i'm with zelensky i'm with putin i'm with this but what you must do is pay attention they don't care really exactly what it is but you must pay attention to the chaos and it went, we went right from COVID to you're going to – it's always you're going to die. You're going to die. Yeah. But behind the scenes, you can see force majeure happening with wheat prices. You can see the breakdown happening behind the scenes. I, you think I that's something, something that's coming? Yeah, yeah. Yes. I think all I, – I think <laughs> – I, I, I mean we wrote about the, the – um, uh, I mean, that's really what Cyber Polygon was looking at. Right. He was looking at the idea of the fake supply chain crisis, a manufactured supply chain crisis to keep us all in this this feeling. So a, a war starts in Ukraine and no one really knows about how much grain they create and, and they, they, they produce. And so they don't know until suddenly then everybody's going, oh, but we don't have it tomorrow. <laughs> and prices have gone up. Oh. And who does that suit? Businesses and the, 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 the turmoil and all of that stuff. Um, there was something you, you you said that had me had me thinking about something else. I can't remember what it was. Ah, oh, that's really annoying. We, we're talking about uh, Ukraine and the the uh, the war, Twitter, the Twitterverse. But before that, we were talking somewhat about uh, supply chains and uh, yeah. Well, 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 you know the the, the distraction, the the, this the distraction to distract people and this ability to keep people looking elsewhere. How do yeah. we get around that? How do we how do we stop? people being worried about things they should be worried about you know it's really it's a really it, it says something and this is really was it says something about us that i think um 
there's certain things about uh human uh, mass human psychosis that comes right. out and i think that what i'm hearing is that a lot of people in the world are really sad don't feel like they want to live and have reached the end of their tether and a lot of the arguments are now become well, i just don't care anymore just kill me um so i'll do whatever you say um because i'm just bloody angry now and so i think people have been led to a point where they're so frustrated they don't know they, they it's almost like it's almost like if if you've just like you know that scene in a clockwork orange where he's got yeah. his eyes pinned open and he, yep. that's happened so much that it's got to the point now where you're you, you, ah, okay okay i'll change my completely my behavior or whatever there's a lot of that coming out and i think a lot of it is about people just wanting to die crawl up in a little ball and ignore everything that's happening because it's so hard to to work out i i have some of the weirdest conversations with people because i have just a different perspective of things i have quite a positive yeah. perspective yeah I have an idea yeah that that humans will eventually get over this somehow and that all right. of the the doomsday scenarios and and the talk of doom that they give you is uh, mostly um a load of hooey <laughs> Never yeah right there. yeah um and that they that 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 it's used to to heart to control you and to make you do certain things and of course of course it's so simple for us to understand that when you're having a conversation with someone in the park and i oh man i have so many conversations with people because i just walk around talking to people all the time mm. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I do it on purpose because I, right. I i talk to people they talk to me uh they find out what i do and they ask me questions and then i give them answers and i say don't listen to me question everything and and think about right. it all you know and and that gives them the a, a basic uh foundation but most nearly everybody says we're overpopulating we need to get our humans off of it that's nearly ev that's the nearly talking yeah. point everybody reverts to is that is something that really means we need some form of genocide quickly <laughs> yeah, you mean, there, if you actually read between the lines of what nearly everybody's yeah. saying is yes we're too overpopulated and we've got a problem okay what does that mean though you know what does yeah. that mean think about it and then my response to him is always well over 98 percent of this country that we're living in britain is not built on has no people living on it uh it's been it, it's been bought out by a load of people who are wrecking it for their own good uh completely destroying it not replanting trees rather than being it being managed by the people in a way that gives good care love and protection instead we're all dumped into these big cities and tiny small flats and having psychosis all of the time and all walking around shouting at each other we've got issues yeah it's not overpopulation it's um a lack of available land due to the fact of landlords uh who mm. have kicked everybody off the land and pushed them back into the cities and this is something that's hundreds of years old i can go back 200 years see it 200 years see it 300 years see it 400 years see it. tell us all the time they rebrand everything that they do that's negative and so people follow and go oh yeah right then that's oh, yeah, fine <laughs> this is what normal life is this is what normal life looks like so they create what normal life looks like and it's a fucking shit show because all of these all, all of this all of these uh all of these people who really believe that there's too many humans on earth um that i've met uh and and haven't fought through that argument to themselves nearly every single one of them are some of the loveliest people i've met yeah. they're really lovely they care about their families they care about their friends they usually have little doggies running around you know they're funny they're nice and not 
pernicious, horrible people. They're not uh, like they, 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 some of them are even open, uh, open minded to what's going on in the world, but they've all been given this view two views uh the climate's going to kill us all so we may as well kill ourselves because there's too many of us you know that's usually the way it goes and that comes back to a 1973 speech uh or can come back to a 1973 speech by um aurelio pecci at the world economic forum the third economic world economic forum event related to the the report the club of rome put out who he was head of at the time called limit to growth which basically said that population uh, is is malfusion population yeah uh too many population not enough resources so you gotta get rid of the population um it's all about population reduction and and in the speech in 1973 and in the book they uh suggest using um a climate change uh to uh manipulate the population um so that they can slowly introduce things to reduce the population because the enemy of the earth and of man is man itself and it is a war on humankind so that is the type of person that schwab wants to get in to speak to his <laughs> boys because that's what they're thinking what they're thinking is that me and you are useless eaters as no <laughs> yuval Noah harari says up on stage at the world economic forum look at all these useless eaters look at all these rats and eventually we don't want the rats to take over the ship is what he says at the end of one of those yeah speeches so he is i mean all of these guys they're all on the same level they talk in code and the code is so easy it's like child code you know it's it, they they <laughs> their, their code isn't code anymore because they've right. also like we, we've got we've got like loads of drama loads of movies we can read things through simply now we read through bullshit simply now um or, or most of us can most of us free thinkers can um i remember and, i remember when novel harari's book came out and it was just plastered all over i don't know i think it was the one before dose dose homos whatever it was like homo sapiens and, and uh yeah 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 homo deo or whatever it was and i remember talking to some people and like everyone I, I talked to this one of my good friends at my daughter's school we always talk about what we're reading and stuff and he's like george did you read this book and i'm like that book is dog shit basically the guy rewrote gun germs and steel and you can always tell someone who's bullshitting by if you like look at the, what they wrote and then listen to him speak. Like I listened to that guy's speech at the uh, at the Davos crowd. Mm -hmm. That guy is such a crock of garbage. Like that guy, he just I, I don't know. I, I despise that guy. I think he's so full of shit. I, I don't know why I had to get that out, but I did. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I mean, it it burns me up. It burns me up because I, I mean, it's about my, uh, each of us have our own uh, intellectual yeah. evolution. <laughs> And right. when I was about when when I got to about 2015, I was having a bad time in life. Like I, mm. I had I had been around a lot of people who I thought were friends, and you know, like we all know, yep. we, we discover that that a lot of people who we knew all along weren't friends, aren't really friends, and stuff. And yep. you know, you get down, and all, and 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 the music, the fact that the music scene was dying so badly, and no one else could see around. And I was, I found myself going, but, but can't you see? There's nothing. There's nothing. There's nowhere to play anymore. What are we gonna do? <laughs> And everybody's too busy just being like, okay, I'm just going to take more drugs to ignore that yeah. happening. And so it was just, it just turned into a point where uh, about 2015, I was being fed morphine by people I didn't like for a proxy who were trying mm. to get me addicted to something. They were, they were trying to, they were trying to, they were trying to ruin my life so they could say, yeah, say, see, we were right, you're ruining your life. <laughs> yeah, but I, and I was in such a bad place, you know, I, I, I was happy to be um, drug addict. 
settled. I was happy to be so far removed from reality because um, every time I looked out there, I could see all of the flashes of understanding that I have now. I could see yeah. all of the little tiny bits of information and what that meant. And I'd already done loads of research and I was wanting to quit. I was in the same way. I was saying things like there's too many humans on Earth anyway, blah, de, blah, de, blah, de, blah. I was I was partially there and then I, I could hear my words and I knew I did not believe myself um, because yeah. I love people too much and I love things too yep. much. I love cats. <laughs> yeah. I, love cat <laughs> yeah, I love dogs. I love all sorts of things. I'm right. a, a, a big fan of life. So so it was always a, a, against me and I, I did have to, I, I, I mean, I I, I said to myself, right, I'm going to take a shitload of mushrooms. I live in South Wales. We have nice. uh, magic mushrooms growing out of the hills. And Beautiful. therapeutically, everybody knows that um, if you change or alter your perspective, that you can come to a, a, a more rational conclusion on yeah. who you are eventually. Um, and, I, I, you know, I, I did a lot of listening to the, the the normal people who get you revved up for something like this, an experience like this. Because I was already, I mean, like I said, a drug taker. But I was coming off a lot of the pharmaceuticals and saying, no, I'm going to look. Yeah. towards having proper drugs <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. open mind experience a, a real yeah uh, you know so so we went up uh me and a couple of friends went up to the hills up to a garth which is like a, a 2000 bc like burial mound uh up up nice. just uh, about three miles north of my house so so we said it's, it's like a night you could walk up there it's beautiful and uh yeah you get up to the top and uh in the right time of year there's mushrooms all over the hill i think right time beautiful. of year it's, it's like they go in like seven year cycles it seems but this year that, that i went up that year in particular i found i had buckets and buckets of them and i literally said okay i'm taking like three four months off my life i am reforming my my love of the universe and my mind i'm gonna i'm gonna take a load of spiritual experiences i'm gonna do i'm gonna i'm gonna test my mind in all different sorts of ways so i'm i'm broken yeah. I'm broken. I may as well. I'm at the end. Like I was literally at like suicide point. I was like, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't like this thing. Like this whole thing is just not nice. Um, and so, so I, I went through this wonderful experience uh, with, with, of course, music is a wonderful thing to go alongside something like this. But I went for a wonderful experience of, of literally uh, coming to terms with my own mortality, coming to terms yeah. with the fact that someone may kill me if I say anything that, that about the CIA or etc. Um, yep. Coming to terms with the fact that I needed to do something productive and I needed to uh, get off all of these horrible pharmaceuticals that I'd found myself yep. addicted to, that I needed to to look at on, on humanity as what it was, um, which is something that's connected to the earth first and foremost um and and realize that that you know why we why we love the earth why we love the sky like why how we feel so i went through a big a, a long experience that did help me come out the other side and say fuck them all i'm, I'm doing it now i am i'm i am gonna put in the rest of my life trying to understand what is going on and writing it down so other people can can understand it and yeah i i might not have had the most wonderfully um eloquent uh way of writing originally i i, I was not allowed to do anything in school like that so so you know I, I i never got to really develop my skills until later um but then i started writing about things that were really interesting to me and i started to understand the world in a different way because I started to understand it from the evidence rather than what I was being told and and then what I did was something very very uh, particular and very important which was I said and this is the thing I was coming around with with Yuval Noah Harari so I said 
I'm going to find every single person, whether I agree with them or not, and I'm going to listen to everybody. And I, I listen yeah. to, oh, man, every day I was listening to Ben Shapiro. Fuck that guy. <laughs> oh, my God. It, honestly, you have to listen to Ben Shapiro for two years. You'll end up writing a piece about how Ben Shapiro's a load of bullshit who uses whataboutism all of the time and doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. Um <laughs> You know, you 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 have to hear the other side. You know, I did I did yeah, a lot of re- at the time the intellectual dark web was kicking off as well, <laughs> with people like Jordan Peterson, Ben Shapiro, and uh, the <laughs> Weinstein's and the Thielverse. <laughs> The yeah, uh, the people connected with Peter Thiel, like Eric Weinstein's one of the 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 the, the main guys behind Peter Thiel, um, and and these guys start coming out, and some of them I liked, and some of them I didn't like, and some of the views I found horrendous, and some of the way that was matter of fact I found terrible, and I had taken all my prejudice with me about that I had taken from the from being like some sort of liberal left wing or something, and I learned to drop all of that and understand what I had in common with these people I hated and what I didn't like about their arguments, yeah, yeah, how they yeah. developed their arguments and what they were saying because the majority of people who can uh, captivate you or captivate your mind um, will tell you a load of information that you really want to know. Uh, you don't have to actually like the person to, to, to hear that information. Right. And you can you always go and check your information if you want to know if it's true or not. So, uh, I mean, I went through a process of really understanding. First, I was like, oh, I'm down with everybody now. Um, I'm no longer left wing or right wing. Fucking that's a whole load of bullshit. <laughs> but what I realized eventually is that from, you know, loads of research, loads of getting involved in, in things I didn't like or not agree, didn't agree with and learning about them more was that humans are very silly. We're very we silly are. creatures and everything's pretty simple. And there's a lot of ideologies that are being put out there that are based on real fallacies. And really what you've got to do in life, if you want to get by, is you got to learn your fallacies. You've got to learn all of the things that make an argument seem right, but are completely wrong and are based on principles that hold no water once you actually check and check them so i think that that really is what the process i went through to get to the stage i am now where i can now take in information and i can see people for bullshit very quickly um and what i discover is that now when i see people who i think are bullshit i say god i don't like that person that person's bullshit and i go away (laughs) and i'll put my research like head on and and i find exactly why that person is bullshit <laughs> within no time because it's like right. okay what was this person doing here in this time when everybody who was doing terrible things didn't know people were watching that's the best <laughs> look in anybody's life like the time when they think they're not being watched and they're 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 they're, they're, they're young and silly and and everybody like with eric weinstein eric weinstein says a lot of stuff man eric weinstein says a lot of stuff and you know at the start when i listened to him i was like god this guy's intelligent oh he knows everything he ate oh the theory of everything that sounds amazing <laughs> why hasn't he published it yet i wonder why he right, hasn't man. published it why hasn't he published it why hasn't he published this theory of everything it sounds great he keeps describing it to me and i'm like i want to know more and, and yet i don't know why why so i may as well research a theory of nothing the theory of absolutely nothing at all the theory of bollocks put into people's minds by a manager of a hedge fund um who looked 
who were trying to copy um, as uh, people like D. Shaw and stuff of the past and try and think outside the box and try to think really revolutionary <laughs> and were actually a bunch of guys hijacking firms more likely and just whooping them up. And then you go back a bit further and you discover, oh, where was Eric Weinstein? Apart from hanging around with all of the Edge Foundation people, uh, which was fully funded by Jeffrey Epstein and Epstein was there all of the time. We're, we're, oh, he's never seen uh, uh, Eric Weinstein's never seen seen Jeffrey Epstein, never met, no, he met him once in a place, yeah, we met once in a meeting and he was weird, and I thought straight, wait, yeah. this guy's weird, isn't he, yeah, so yes, I didn't see anything, no, I haven't seen anything, uh, and if you mention Eric Weinstein, anything like that, he kind of like tries to say something and then disappears and blocks you, because the fact is yeah. Eric Weinstein, once before and during that period when he's meeting up with these people, he's also working for the UN uh, behind closed doors, so you be careful who you listen to, people, because you look into the their past and you discover I, I'm I'm doing a lot of research on the people who are around Peter Thiel and I find loads of different stuff on them but to, to be is, is seriously honest a lot of them are fantasists um, who are, are using um, uh, people's uh, want for fantasy uh, for, for entering into that world as a way to uh, motivate them to do other things and accept this massive security state which will have cameras looking at you everywhere and people watching you all of the time you know, they'll distract you with all of the reasons why you should put all the technology in your home. And then they'll turn on the technology and you'll realize, oh, I've been hoodwinked. I've been hoodwinked by a guy who told me the theory, he knows the theory of everything. When have I heard that one before? Hey, listen, if someone comes along, he's, he, he comes along, he comes in on the side while everybody's doing something, he says, yeah. hey, do you know, I know the theory of everything. I know everything. I know everything you know i can show you you won't understand and every time you'll ask me a question that makes sense i'll say well think of it this way and come off to something that has nothing to do with it and is like a, a what is a hypnotic deep enough or like a, a, a technique to stop people asking the question he does it on joe rogan there and, and so joe rogan asked him a question you'll be oh well you've got to think of it like this and you'll do it multiple times and all he does is he's magic tricking you he's saying oh look flip the card i got nothing over here i know everything the theory of everything and then the only people who agree with that theory of everything are all a bunch of epstein associates who all have the same sort of like all of them they're all like yeah he's so clever same people who were saying yeah epstein's a genius you know oh extreme genius extreme genius but uh, i i and i i do think that people uh probably underrepresent uh, epstein's intelligence because because most of epstein's intelligence was in the world of very young girls you know that's what that's where his intelligence yeah, lay. right you know space and, and and young girls that's what what he was into so these guys these guys were the guys who um were recruited by this like this new uh, I think eugenics movement that was much more like hidden and underneath and we're trying to find a way to implement that into wider society and some of the tech and I think people like um, Teal, uh, Peter Teal and Eric Weinstein are perfect examples of people who will say a lot of very clever sounding stuff and behind closed doors not even actually that much behind closed doors they're working with elite pedophile child traffickers you know i i mean you know, peter teal um and jeffrey epstein were both 
uh, in uh, a business called Carbine 911 together mm. invested in 2019. So after, well, after like 2018, 2019, just before Epstein's going to get the, the arrested and end up with getting, getting, uh, getting garroted in the cell by some dude or <laughs> whatever <laughs> happened. Um, uh, slipping <laughs> off the edge of the bed while playing a fixer wank. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so, 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 you know, these guys are well deep in it. These guys are well deep in it. And he was in it also in that um, company was a woman who I've done a lot of research in called Nicole Youngerman, who's um, linked with uh, IDF link bond girl. I described her as I've done free articles on her. Do not put her name in your description or in the title of this. Yeah. Or it will None. not stay up for longer than two weeks. Please do not put Nicole Youngerman. Don't, I shouldn't have even said her name because honestly, I'm risking. Uh, I'm risking everything. <laughs> I have been censored heavily for two and a half years by Nicole Youngerman, <laughs> who's an Epstein associate who was in this business, business uh, a car by 9-11, along with Ehud Barak, who's a what, mm. prime minister of Israel, yep. and close Epstein associate and guy hanging around with all the little girls. Um, uh, D d these guys, these these. Uh, she she also um, was with Epstein's on Epstein's flight manifest in 2002. So um, uh, and September the first, they were in um, Les Wexner's mansion in the UK together, meeting two U.S. senators that I think I know the identity of, but I can't quite confirm the identity of yet. I am working on that. Um, Wexner's in it this year. He's the last of the Epstein guys. Who, he's going to get fucked over seriously this year he is done that 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 i think they know he's coming to the end of his life so they're like okay we can do it now um mm. but that very powerful man is about to to be exposed to something extremely terrible um but yeah 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 so so oh don't mention wow. the Youngkin and whatever you do guys don't mention don't put a name in don't put a name in. Don't, don't do I won't. It. and if you do I won't. don't put it in, don't put it in google because all you'll see is good things actually i tell you what put it in google and then put it in DuckDuckGo and be amazed by how basically google is only it's just like a really <laughs> limited encyclopedia nowadays and the other side is people going who the fuck's this woman i mean she, she's quite incredible so yeah man there's a lot of there's a lot of uh people hanging around in the tealverse and hanging around linked with them who are all associated with these people eric weinstein and people you know they'll, they'll come out and they'll give you the old see it for what it is i mean we've all yeah. got to wise up we've all got to stop like saying oh someone's given us the answers to everything quick let's follow him you know <laughs> this is a this is the oldest trick in the book it really is so it i mean and and eric weinstein is completely the ultimate version of this uh trick by coming to you and saying he knows the theory of everything he thinks so little of everybody else's intelligence that comes yeah. out in everything eric weinstein does so he thinks so little of people's intelligence he thinks he's so above everybody now his brother brett complicated i think he's got some dodgy links here and there and his brother's eric weinstein so i don't like him too much for the you know for that on the off but i'm willing to give 
a Brett Weinstein the benefit of the doubt in many different cases because I listened to him for a long time and I think he sounds most of the time like a very interesting person who's interested in things but he has this wanker brother who's a dystopian arsehole uh, working for the UN and other things behind manipulating who knows the theory of everything so so you know I, I am willing to say that even if they come from the same if they cut from roughly the same cloth I am willing to give someone uh, the benefit of the doubt based on their actions and what they say and what they do. Okay, let me let me jump in right here. There, I have two questions on these guys. First off, and I'll answer them. I'll, I'll give you both questions and then I'll, I'll let you answer here. Who are their parents? Like I tried to find who their parents are. Can't find it anywhere. Like it's not mm -hmm. anywhere. I think that would be an interesting idea. Number two, mm -hmm. what, I, what really pisses me off about Brett is that he's at Evergreen and he's teaching uh, like uh, um, who was the... Uh, not Zelensky. No, the, the tactics the tactics that Brett was teaching to the children there was a way to overthrow the system, which I'm I'm all for, but it was the guy who he wrote a book. He's from Chicago. Gosh dang it, I can't think of the thing. Anyways, it's, it's not Milton Friedman. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Oh, right. Okay, okay. Right. right. He was teaching, <laughs> and, and that's fine. Like those are great tactics, but he was teaching everybody at this school, which was uh, a set of people that have had it tough or whatever. He was teaching them all, hey, maybe you shouldn't like white people. Maybe white people are the problem. And then there's and a then holiday at Evergreen. Off. And he goes he goes to the school on a, hey, no white people can show up today. But he goes there because he's not technically white. And those kids are like, get the hell out of here, man. We're going to kill you. It's not white day. And he's like, I'm not white. And they're like, yes, you are. Get out of here. And then as soon as that happens, then he runs and hides behind white people. Like, oh, hey, white people. Like, what happened? You know? But it seems to me that he was starting sort of a kind of a race baiting tactic. And then he hid behind the very people he was claiming were the problem. They're, they're, Does that kind of make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Because, <laughs> um, one of the last things I, I like I say, li listen, uh, I'm, I'm willing to, to, to give people the benefit of the doubt. And I'm not right. saying uh, Brett Weinstein, that means I give Brett Weinstein a clean <laughs> bill of health because I right. haven't gone through Brett Weinstein enough. I've gone through his, his yeah. brother. We all make mistakes. I and, guess. I, I, Brett is an interesting character, very intelligent guy. Um, and, Absolutely. And and a lot of the things he does seem very clever. So it makes me wonder when I watch something like I watched, it was really bizarre. It was about a year and a half ago. And it was Brett Weinstein was leading some sort of like um, group chat with a load of black thinkers and black people. Yep. And the conversation I was listening to was just bizarre. And I think I, I, I was just trying to imagine what it must be like for the uh, people who were taking part in this as black people to listen to a white guy try and 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 explain how things are, because that's what he was doing. And I found it really, really like, you know, that's isn't that the whole point of what the problem is is that we we keep having listen we're about to have something kick off over in this country um a, a big uh national uh scandal that i can't talk about yet i'm part i'm partially involved in it <laughs> when, 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 when i was young i used to work in five-star hotels and i saw some very dodgy stuff happening mm. in five-star hotels and a few years ago i spoke out about somebody who i had seen acting in a certain way and i think it's it's now uh started a series of events because i spoke out, out a tweet and it went 
a bit viral. It went like, what, 5,000, 6,000 people saw it. And I think it meant that the people who knew that that was going on have now had to do something about it mm. in, to protect themselves. So I'm currently watching that happen. I know it's going to happen. And it, it massively affects the black UK black community um, massively in a way that nothing, I, I don't think since the murder of Stephen Lawrence will have affected mm -hmm. the black community in the UK. Um, and that, that if people don't know about the murder of Stephen Lawrence, man, I could cry talking about that stuff. So, so, and I, I do, I'm, I'm fucking feeling the emotion there. That was a kid on a bus stop uh, with his mate and a bunch of uh, white thugs come across to him and they were really just the thugs of the lowest uh, order. Uh, they would cause trouble and they would end up beating him up and stabbing him to death. Um, and he would die alone and they would bloody they would take him to hospital men um, and 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 afterwards the police would help cover everything and help these horrible people get off so that they could save their own blushes so the police and met police could save their own blushes and once they realized they got caught doing that then they tried to do something to expose them and do something and it's all been really messy and horrible and they've even used Stephen Lawrence's mother they brought her into like the House of Lords mm. and stuff and used her to kind of do stuff which Smooth when you actually look at it you it's like yeah all of it is like disrespect from the start now the black community has always been disrespected and the the, the national scandal i'm talking about is going to heavily affect the black community and i've been trying to reach out to the black community to different people who are in the black community in uk and say to them listen can you help me with this because i'm a white boy and this shouldn't be a white boy who's doing this yeah. it really is something to do where the black community is about to face like a massive uh moment of uh of realization and mourning um, for for some loss of innocence in the past. A real big. This is like going to be as big as Jimmy Savile. I'd say um, it's. Disgusting. I know, I know, and it's. I, I I've not. And I really know. I you Makes know when me I cry. say something. When I, yeah, when I say something's big, I mean this is really big. Uh, this is this is something that this like you know I, I, I when I put on the top of an article this is explosive it's because it's bloody explosive if I put on if I just put out an article and it's this is the facts well this is the facts this is something really terrible and I, what I find really hard is that when you actually look for black voices where you find they've been co-opted a lot of the time by mainstream mm. media because they're in that situation and and this is then emblematic of the actual case itself because it's someone who was able to have that ability within power to stand above a lot of black people who didn't have any power who all were like oh if you'll let us close to us then we like got some sort of power access to power and then he used that to groom children man so, you're talking that there's this fundamentally um there's there's this this uh there's this there's this gap between what white people think black people should do and what black people should actually do you know uh it, yeah. it's such a it's such a way yep. of thinking and a mindset and now i i i say this with all honesty and i've got something in my life which for family reasons i cannot discuss um out of respect for someone in my family that that 
means I have a real I I I have a real important dog in this fight, man. About racism, racism yeah. isn't as simple as if you're white and black and etc. Right. It's about the right. decency you treat another human being and how much respect you give another human being. And I I you know I what I see uh, is that that the black community has been really like knocked down for years and years and years and years in every country generations and 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 it's got to the point where when they look to rise up now they find the virtue signal in mainstream medias who help knock them down the virtue yep. signal in police yep. force who help knock them down the virtue signal in army help knock them down use them for their agenda um yep. and it's it's like it's so sad because from my point of view um i talk to lots of black people who are some of the most indulgent yeah. guys around i can see through this um what i need is some good black journalists in the uk who are willing to expose something really big like you know i i what i what i need is is to to see um uh, 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 like the black community rise in the uk and defend itself and to i what i want to see as well really uh, mostly through through this sort of stuff is um an independent black journalistic endeavor uh, I, I the mainstream media keeps co-opting black people for virtue signaling and i would love to see more black people within the independent media fighting because that's where they need to be they need to be on the front lines because they have some of the most to lose once our society flips around and these people reveal their mask for who they are these people who are up top who are sorting out society i promise you nearly every single one of them is white promise you every Guaranteed. single one of them will be in power will not be thinking about uh certain ethnicities and etc and that's why africa is left behind when we look at superpower blocks and stuff and say this yeah. whole world's turning it's east and west there's no south to it and that needs to change that dynamic needs to change it needs to be an understanding of like and i really mean this like everything i do in life is somehow related to loving black culture i can't help it man <laughs> i i'm i if, if i i i every single person who's ever sung in this black is my favorite person mm. in the world I'm so <laughs> that's racist i'm just so terrible like you know i i, I it's just i i love soul man I love the soul of humans and is yeah there any is there any group of people on earth with so much soul than the black community and i would love to see them take their soul black back yeah take their soul back because it's been it's been uh co-opted and manipulated by these mainstream aggressors and there is a big history that you look back they've never been on your side to the black community they've never been on your side let's see that change let's see that change let's see uh, black people rise to the top from their own hard work uh, and say no i'm not going to join on the side of you uh your globalist system and your idea of who i am and how i should be and what we what has been put upon us over the history and this uh, malevolent past that we've all experienced let's create something completely new that isn't about you being white and you being black yeah it's about you being human like and that that is really what is a, a, a made i mean i'm 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 really concentrated on that in the near future. That'll be something that I'll be looking at doing in the UK as well is trying to help is trying to help give a voice to a lot of people who have been affected by something that's everybody's going to know about soon.
Yeah, I, I, in, in something that explosive tends to have roots in other countries as well. Once it comes out somewhere, all of a sudden it's like squeezing a balloon, right? You can pop it mm -hmm. here, but then it comes out on this side over here. And I, I think well, a big part of it comes down to class. Like we're, there's so much propaganda that says, hey, you versus you, white versus black, gay versus straight, woman versus man. Like it should be about class. Like I think the test should be show me your hands. Show me your hands. You got calluses? Okay, you're probably okay. You know what I mean? You're probably okay, but you got soft hands. What? Get out of here. Hey, I'm, I'm glad. It should be more of a I, class struggle. Hey, I, I spent a lot, uh, many years uh, working on a reception desk in hotels and as night manager in hotels and stuff. Yeah, um, I could have had to smooth with hands. But at the same time, I was rocking out on the guitar. So luckily, Guaranteed you I got, got calluses on your hands, right? Yeah, but your uh, thumb is tough. Man, yeah, my thumb is the toughest. <laughs> don't tell <don't laughs> people. <laughs> Don't be asking me thumbs. <laughs> no, I've met some people with God. I met some guitarists in my life who have uh, all sorts of strange finger things, right? Like, all uh, anomalies, crazy stuff. Oh, things they do as well. And your guy who used to cut out Coca Cola bottles and super glue them to his nails. Um, to, to, to play guitar. <laughs> and, and it That's was like extreme. It was extreme because it was right? kind of, but but he played guitar like a. a, a demon he was a fantastic guitar player so i mean it, oh, if it works it. it works yeah 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 it's fascinating you know what i on the topic of national borders i i read this book uh by, called connectography by dr parag khana and he's this think tank guy out of uh singapore total cfr total mckinsey and in his book connectography he talks about what you're going to see in the future. And he wrote this maybe 10 years ago. He says, you're going to see the end of nation states and the beginning of city states. And it's going to be, you know, and you can already kind of see it happening with COVID. Like if, yeah. you, if, if you look at New York or California, those governors there are like little dictators. And they can so pass how do whatever you take over? How do you take over a global system um, is quite simply you take away the power of nations and and you make cities the center of the power because then that divides the nation up it's as simple as that as well and in the technocratic future this is how you um you need everything to be fairly central so everything works because at the start all new technology needs you needs you to be fairly close to um yeah. to, to actually work so they don't want people out in the countryside they want to push us into cities they want to make these um, uh, um I, I used to I, I remember um when i it's maybe civilization two or civilization three <laughs> back in the day uh sid mia's game and they used to have the the big domes over the cities and stuff that would control the pollution and things when you got to the future levels that was what you get i haven't what they're called um but those those that's what we're looking at in the future we're looking at these big horrible mega cities like you see from uh 2000 ad and you know what's interesting about uh, that sort of vision if you go to um a wagon vision and you go to 2080 or some sort of sci-fi from the past well all of the rest of the land all around it is nuclear waste ground from all of the nuclear wars that happened from people ending up not getting on with each other in these different cities you get the same problem uh, if you move everybody into the cities you still get cities competing with other cities and wars between cities um and what's interesting as well, you go back to that Herman Kahn video that I link in with the, the, the thing recently, they say, you know, he says literally, um, you will buy your city's freedom. It doesn't say you'll buy your country's freedom with the um, 
at the expense of the freedom um, of the individuals of your population. So he wow. doesn't say he doesn't say you buy your country's freedom. He says you buy your city's freedom because. And then again, when you look at the Peter Thiel verse, the Thiel verse, and what they do is wanting to create this idea of having city states that have different regulations, and they've actually pushed towards this, and they've they've like they've workshopped this out of having cities that will be just like new um, uh, libertarian say city over here that it has has uh, ability to be like the the uh, the the. Um, California or whatever of the, the the desert and they'll plant it yeah there. it'll all be technology and they'll all create it and it'll all be wonderful and they'll rule it and they'll have their own regulations and they'll have their own laws and it'll be the start of fundamentally getting people used to this idea that oh well I tell you what I like doing this so I should be in that city over there or I should like mm. doing this so I should be in this city draw them into the cities draw them in uh, you can't get people to move into cities because the more i think they're learning now is that and this is just from a personal note from every single person i know in wales you say to someone um you've got to go to the city they go to the city they live there and they go oh this is shit i don't want to be here <laughs> everybody i know who comes lives in the city goes Oh God, what a horrible place. Now I want to go back <laughs> up to where it's beautiful because like I got a friend who lives up in Talibont in, in Wales, uh, Talibontonask, and Talibontonask is beautiful. You walk around, it's, it's all like Hobbit land. You know, everything's really tiny and small, little tiny little stone bridges <laughs> over things. It's all beautiful. There's nature everywhere, valleys all around. You can go walking in the mountains. It's, it's just wonderful. Why would you want to go live in a concrete yeah. block <laughs> once you've experienced that stuff? The whole point is as well, there's loads of this land out there that no one's on and it's bullshit that it's overpopulated they, they, they are telling you that while they're making you feel like it's overpopulated it's a simulation it's like a simulated event it's an experience it's like vr we are in like a a, a virtual reality in the city uh, like the idea that we go go here and we will be happier because we've got this and that and the other we know what it means we, we don't see trees we don't see green we don't see the stars we don't see all of the things that brings us back to nature and it's, that yeah. allows them to form us from a very young age yeah. and manipulate what we focus on because trust me i i grew up in um like i said i i grew up uh in a 17th century reenactment society yeah every weekend we were on a different campsite in the uk somewhere in the uk i was so lucky for that yeah yeah i would sit there from the sometimes the Thursday we would arrive uh we would all be doing civil war battles 8,000 people all around the country would all come to a random place and we'd it'd all be a big party the beer tents up live music yeah. all through the weekend people partying like hell all of the kids would stay completely protected campsite so when I say that I got groomed in the, the organization <laughs> <laughs> yes, by Peter Parson. I mean it wasn't all safe uh but, but, but basically the kids were all just hanging around together outside the beer tents and stuff and we're all able to play together, all dressed up in 17th century clothes, cannons going off in the <laughs> background and stuff. What you discover is that when you're outside, uh, you grow up in, in the country, you'll never be able to take that out of people and force yeah. them into the city. Never. You, the, the, the sitting around a campfire, under the stars, looking back after you, you've got to your tent and looking up and seeing just like this amazing uh, display over the, the, the sky. You, having the fresh air, hanging around in nature, you know, that cannot be beaten. And they, they yeah. cannot stop you. Keep having babies. Keep moving to the countryside. Keep doing the opposite of what they say because that is true life 
life exists yeah. there it does not exist in the cities and i tell you we if you're worried about if you are really worried about population and there being too much population well i tell you country life's a lot easier going so it means that people get brought up better they tend to probably then have smaller families anyway and then if you look at the trend of how it's going and this is a very interesting thing these yeah. guys all want you to believe that your uh, our population is uh unsustainable in all of this but they've also done all of the statistics and all of the running uh, uh, simulations and all of this. And what they all predict is the same thing and it's extremely interesting. We're currently on seven and a half billion. They say that once we reach nine billion, we will suddenly have a massive drop. That it will, a, a population crash because, crash because like with a virus where you have an R number, where reproduction has to be over a certain rate, and that rate right. is one. Uh, once it goes below that, it means there's a, be a population crash, more older people, less younger people, less generation to to meet up and match and to have babies. And so then blah, 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 what you've got is a hell of a lot less people at a very high speed. So the population crash they're already simulated, they say is already going to happen, whether or not we have war or genocide or anything like that like a natural thing that happens where we don't have to murder people. We don't have to put people in camps. We don't have to do that. And go research that. Anybody can go research that. The population is going to drop off. It's 9 billion. It'll drop off partially due to education, partially due to other things, partially due to just the fact that when there's too many people around or people have the perception there's too many people, they just stop having babies a bit. Also, when people are educated better, which these yeah. guys avoid doing so that these people can't fight back, you have yep. less babies. So if we educate people better, people will be like, well, I don't want to have an unsustainable family. I want to have a little family and I want to be enjoying. I'll, I'll replace what is on earth with what what." I have like one for one. I don't mind that, uh, you know, but I don't want someone telling me a policy because I know loads of other people who are going to be very uninterested in the new technological future about having babies or, or doing anything like that. And that's why they expect a population crash. So while people are saying, oh, let's manipulate this, that's evil. You know, let's just live life and see how it goes. Let's just go through this process working together and not trying to see that that side's the one that dies or that side's the one that yeah. dies you know uh it's a real inhuman as soon as we get into the realm of thinking about technology we lo lose humanity automatically yeah yeah i think you know that that brings me to another point you know you made you made the awesome point that we should be doing the opposite of what these people say if they're afraid they're afraid of too much population so we should have more population but beyond that i think they're afraid of spirituality and that mm -hmm. brings me to the point of like i've been reading a lot about the eleusinian mysteries and it seems to me that the there was something about the eleusinian mysteries where you know emperors would hang out with slaves and they would go through this festival and there's this outdoor festival and whether there were psychedelics involved or not like it it was a festival like a celebration of humanity and it brought mm -hmm. people together i i was talking to simon critchley a while back about uh he's a pretty awesome philosopher and he was saying that in the festival what you would see is demeter and persephone and persephone would die and and the, they would look for her and stuff and I, I just found myself thinking imagine being with like 10 strangers and maybe you're you know 10 grams deep on mushrooms and you see this child die and you're like, oh, 
dude, you're crying with the person next to you and you forget what color you are. You forget where you're from. And all of a sudden you have joined together in a ceremony celebrating life and the loss of life. And then at the end of the ceremony, Persephone comes back and everyone's like, we did it. It was like, it's like this being reborn and kind of like the experience you had where you, you were, you know, you got to this dark spot and then you came upon this three day mushroom idea and you were reborn. Like part of you died and something was reborn inside of you that was stronger and better and came out with this force. It was like, okay, I'm going to attack these guys now and I'm going to fight on the side of humanity. I think one thing we can do, like guys like me and you and eventually everyone, is we, even Corbett was talking about the narrative and how important the narrative is. What if we can ch change the channel by talking about what we're talking about, but also creating a type of new Eleusinian mysteries where we have our own little sex. Like, hey, maybe I go to Johnny Vettemore's Eleusis, or maybe we have it at the same time, and it's this festival of humanity where we have these rituals or ceremonies because it's it's the ritual that allows us to not it, the ritual not only points to where we want to go but it it allows us to participate in the act of going there and it's that those two things together that show us hey we're connected we're, we don't need technology to do anything for us we can use it technology doesn't care what we use it for and we could use technology to free us and that makes me think too like Maybe this is what freedom looks like. Maybe we are seeing the breakdown of the old stupid ideas that were thrust upon us by minds that were smart at their time but have run their course. And maybe this is what freedom looks like. Maybe this is our beginnings, you know? And I was, I, I was I just thinking – I'm sorry, go ahead. I, ne I never understood when I was a kid. Um, I, I was waiting to go into school and learn about Romans. I was waiting to learn about ancient Greeks. I even I, I mean I, this is I, I really mean from about uh, five six years old I was told that I was going to be we, they were going to be teaching us and I remember this quite this is one of my earliest memories they were going to be teaching us about history and I instantly thought of Romans yeah. um, and and they told us they're not going to teach us about the Romans that they had changed the entire um, uh, way they teach or what they teach about, and that they were going to teach us about British history. Um, and of course, that goes back quite far. I mean, you still got quite a, yeah. a, a lot of history. But there was a lot in Britain that is about rule of others upon you. Mm. And, mm. and and that, you know, that, that, that was something that instantly I noticed that it was like, I was really sad about it, because I had already, I mean, when I was young, and my parents were obviously terrible at the idea of not letting me watch things I shouldn't watch. So I, I saw everything. I mean, the first when we first got a video player, I was about five, six years. I must have been about six years old. And the first uh, movies we got out, I must be maybe. Well, we could tell by when these movies come out because uh, Critters um, and Nightmare on Elm Street Two were our first yeah. family movies. Tissed around together, with, yeah. And I watched them all. Like I mean, it only got to when I think the first movie that I, my, my parents said no you're not allowed to watch this one was um full metal jacket and that was after he had blown out his brains after he blew out his brains then my parents said no no definitely you definitely can't watch this anymore i was like oh, oh 
No, when I watched that movie afterwards, I was like really pissed off to find that was the most brutal scene. And I, I saw it, and then I was stopped from watching it. That was terrible. So, you know, I, I used to I used to do things where I used to sneak downstairs when I was young and watch all the horror movies that I wasn't allowed to watch eventually, all the really brutal ones, because obviously they learnt a little bit uh, as time time goes on. Um, I've completely lost my train of thought. Oh yeah, but but. <laughs> One one thing that I I I learned from uh, taking in culture and and the little bits I had and being in this weird society, I was in it from a very young age. You know, every weekend I was suddenly all my family were dressed up with swords and and armor and stuff and walking around with cannons going off in the background. So from a very early age, I was like, these two worlds are slightly different, and I really like that old world. You know, that's a really yeah. interesting world. So I was well into the history, um, and and I think. There was a, um, a, there seems to be, um, it continued when I was in high school, a concerted effort to take away classical uh, philosophy, education, and understanding of the great masters like Socrates yeah. and the like, um, Marcus Aurelius, if you talk about yeah. um, an emperor who can teach you uh, about how to live your life and how to, I mean, just basically like viewing your day's routine from a bird's eye, from a bird's eye by a perspective at the end of each yep. day is a fantastic way to change every single bit in your life. You know, you, we're so scared yeah. to look at our own behavior and what we do. And, and that it, it is just such a basic principle of life to teach you um, how to be, how to act. So many wonderful stories from the past that they fail to teach you now because it gives you autonomy. It gives you uh, not only um, it gives you autonomy of thought and all of that. It gives you the ability to make up your own mind. And they don't want that. So that lack of education is being purpose purposely driven away from uh, the ideals that you, you talk about there. Um, because they they they, they want to uh, um, move us away. Because if we do, what are we going to learn? The fact is, what you say at the start there is really important. You got a load of people in a room. I learned something very uh, important from an early age, from growing up and being in. Like my my parents would um, take us to a pub that was packed out full of people dressed up in 17th century clothes and a load of locals who were like what the fuck's going on here because <laughs> <laughs> they would always be like like shocking like they'd go out in the street they would be lined full of people in 17th century clothes all the way down in every pub you couldn't get away from it they're all singing and dancing they all come from all around different parts of the country right. some of them some of them were from, from like higher jobs and some of them were from low down jobs you can't tell once you're dressed up as a bike man <laughs> who, who anybody is so when i grew up walking around in these pubs like feeling very safe and i was safe nearly all of the time you know i had my one experience of a very nasty man who purposely who, uh, targeted me when i was young he was a very horrible guy and that went through a court case and everything so that 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 is like something that 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 uh, is provable and etc but you know i had my own uh, bad times but there was so many good people in that and when i was a kid i used to just walk around these pubs um looking for money on the floor because they would always drop money right it was like bloody I, I i would make loads of money in the night well, <laughs> me and my mates would be like walking around the floor and then we'd go and play on the arcade machines that that was basically a thing and then get told off by my dad he was always saying same, same thing you shouldn't do it I'm not going to stop you. <laughs> and then he walked off. <laughs> that, that was his basic thing on everything. Like, uh, you shouldn't do it. And then he'd think about it for a second, think how he does it. And then he'd go, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's how I got my ear pierced. He said, to my, he said to, I, I, I saw, I, I was like nine years old.
before they saw him as signing the shop saying earpiece. I was like, I want my earpiece, you know, like a kid does. And of course, they shouldn't give me an earpiece. Probably yeah. that would be a bad idea. But my, my dad went, you are not bloody having your earpiece. And my mum turned around and went, what did you say? And grabbed his ear and brought it down to me and said, look at that. He has his earpiece. <laughs> Yeah, and that <laughs> automatically meant that I had my ear pierced. Right. <laughs> they were like, because you're a hypocrite. Now he's got yeah. ear pierced. Well done, Graham. <laughs> You've done it again. <laughs> and then I go and have my ear pierced. You know, but, but my life was walking around um, with a load of people who were completely different than what you normally have, who were all having like a really great over the top time who were all hadn't seen each other since like a couple of weeks ago you know they were different did different musters in different some were major some were uh minis and some were like mediums uh they they, they, they would range in size like sixteen thousand people go watch these events happen so you know it was also there would be crowds who'd come and watch and then you get to I- interact with the crowds as well but then you go back to your campsite and it was just like a free fall on fun and you got to walk around and meet loads of different people and i i from, from the age of, of being born, uh, from when I could walk, sorry, uh, up until 19, I was in this society, walking around the place, going and just literally, I, I would see a pretty girl. And I, would, I would follow the pretty girl back to a campsite and she'd run back to her dad. <laughs> As a, a nine-year-old stalking another nine-year-old campsite. That was basically my, my main job when I was young in my head. Like, uh, I, I'd chase a pretty girl around. I'd chase her back to a campsite and then I'd walk into campsite. They'd hide behind their dad and then I'd sit in the middle of them and start chatting her up in front of them. <laughs> and, and of course, whoever I was, whoever they were, they would love the fact that I had that much balls and that was what I worked on all through my life in like when I was young is just having balls and just going and just just go and what I did through that though is I met lots of different people from lots of different places and I continued on through my life and then I worked in hotels I was kind of forced to work into my hotels so I got to meet loads of different people I was checking people in and I wouldn't only check them in I would treat them like a human I would talk to them like a yeah. human and I would make friends with them usually very quickly because the best way to to control any terrible hotel is to usually make friends with the people who you can see are going to be the worst people yep. <laughs> and yep. then find out why they'd be the worst people and talk to them for a while and get yeah. them to be uh, at least enough have enough respect for you that they don't decide to do anything naughty yeah that isn't always easy especially when you work in like a hotel with 400 people staying in it uh and, and it's a crazy night then you know it, it goes mad you always have like one or two rooms that are, are crazy but you know the whole point is i i, I spent a lot of time um in, including from five stars all down to one stars I, I i i actually started in five star hotels and worked my way down slowly <laughs> as, as i slowly went i slowly broke more rules and was yeah. like nah i can't be bothered nah i can't be bothered so i was like back to a part-time receptionist writing articles on the desk and, and, and letting everybody get away with whatever they wanted to do it's a free house you know um, but I, I used to like sitting in i used to like sitting with people and talking with people and having long conversations with people from all different walks of life discovering about them including all different uh, you what you discover is that the reason why they don't want you sitting together with groups of uh, a different class is because you'll actually get along with them on a human yeah. basis and they'll get along with you and you'll both change each other's mind about who you are and that's the essence of that you know it's having those structures in so that we don't have this class divide and that 
people, those snotty kids who end up in in politics, are like, oh, oh, oh and all think uh, that that's in Britain at least. That's what they do. In Britain. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm so wonderful, and I'm so brilliant, <laughs> and Daddy's given me so much, and, oh. <laughs> and and then they go out into the world and they wreck a load of lives, and they're like, well, I don't care because I don't even understand what they're saying to me. You know, I, <laughs> I worked in a place called um, uh, I worked in a Virgin megastore once upon a time. Yeah, I've heard the I was up on the stage, apart from in the music section, I'd be up on the stage of rock band, uh, demoing rock band, screaming in the nice. microphone and playing guitar at the same time with some kids up playing drums with me and stuff and things like that. And do it do all sorts of I was in the game section a lot. Used to have lots of fun. And um and it went into administration, Virgin Mega store. So it got went into bank it went bankrupt. It actually got taken over three times. I went through each of the, the different bankruptcy processes and, and the redundancy at the end. Uh, but but when they did it, they brought in a load of guys from this uh, company, a big, a big administrative, big firm, Ernst and Young. You may have heard of them, uh, yeah. one of the big financial firms, to come in and do the administration process. And this guy walked in um, from Ernst and Young. Uh, he was about uh, six foot tall in this fantastic suit that I, I couldn't afford for sure. Even though I, I did have a very nice suit at the time, that I was very proud of. It was nowhere near that. Uh, with this whisked up posh hair that flicked up in a way that I can't even imagine what he uses to do it. But you must imagine, well, oh, I gotta got get it flicked up by this morning and stuff. And he walked in, and there was a load of us, and we're all like musicians and stuff who have to work in a shop for a living because we can't afford life. So we're all, right. most of the people were pretty disgruntled in the place and we're just like and this guy walks in and honestly you can see why there's a detachment from classes when you have moments like this because this guy will do you and we we just we we just all like shaking and have no idea what he's saying and like literally it got to the point where I just said to him out loud, "Listen, boss, I I like you and everything. You look wonderful, but I have no idea how to understand your accent, you know." And he was British, he was English, but he spoke in such uh, they're so far removed when they have to go and talk with people, they have no frame of reference or ability to talk with people on a human level, and that comes from this uh, inability for our classes to combine right. because these right. people also know that if that myth was broken that we were different people that we that what would happen would come next is is the natural order of where we're heading this is evolution of humanity to work out that we're not different at all we're the yeah. same people we laugh about the same things there's a couple of bad ones bad, bad eggs on both sides as long as we all work together we can all benefit and we can all be like friends oh my god yeah. can you imagine if you go to a pub with a load of people who are all from different backgrounds and you all have fun and you can all laugh about your silliness and your your, your different ways and your different cultural uh, points i've been through them and i've been through that i've seen it i've seen i've i've walked i've sat in rooms full of the richest people i've sat in the rooms full of gangsters i've sat in the rooms with like all different types of people and i've talked to them all on a human level and they've all talked to me on a human level every single one of them you know at, at, when it were, used to work back in the Hilton in the day, I used to like like make friends with the party animals who were going to be partying all through the night, so I could join them after yeah. the night. You know, I just <laughs> yeah. go, I'd be like, I'm leaving now, and then I'd sneak up the fire exit and go up into the room, and I'd blow, I'd roll a big spliff that would make them all go, Oh my God, look how big that is! And then that's how we get to friends for life. Like. <laughs> There, yep. there is something about the fact that the upper class and the lower class are different. No, we're not. 
we're both humans. We both laugh over the same things. I've had some really uh, good experiences of that. It's been sold to us like that, and it exists like that in the dynamics that they've created because they know that dynamic means that there's one side, uh, uh, their side has backing, their side has something to lose, and means that they will fight their adversary, adversary, which is us. So it's about creating that dynamic where if they do not work alongside the others, their class structure falls, and that fear then means that they will automatically do what anybody on their class, um, in their class, is, is, is saying to do. We don't have that. We don't have that. In the lower levels, we don't have that. We instead are just trying to get along, mostly just trying to get along with our lives while we get these people uh, pressurizing us from above. So that's the wow. system. And it's only going to get more and more to that the, the, there's a very small amount of top people and the rest of them get pushed down. And I think when we were talking about banks earlier and stuff, a lot of people who work in the banks are going to discover right. they're those guys. They're those guys. Those guys who are riding high now, riding high in April and get shut down in May, my friend. I'm sure, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure everybody's heard that as a sentence. Or blue eyes himself. Yeah. He, well, he can or tell vicious. you some lies and he can tell you some truths. I can probably do. His songs <laughs> will tell you the truths and it's probably his normal voice will tell you the lies. But yeah, yeah, man. It's, it's, it, honestly, it, we're, we're living through interesting times. There is an ideological crisis happening, um, and there's a human spiritual crisis happening. There's that is definite. We're having trouble realizing who we are and what we are. Um, and it, as an escape, a lot of people are saying, "Well, we can become something else." Then. And we're seeing that expressed in loads of different ways all throughout society, whether it be transhumanism or or, or transgenderism. Uh, I, yeah. You know, I, when when it comes down to it, you, um, I, I I suffered from something called Ray's disease, uh, which is a hyperthyroid disease. And eventually, I got like a little scar across my throat because I had to have my my thyroids out and stuff. Mm. Um, uh, and that was something that I'm not sure why it happens it tends to be something to do with radiation apparently um, <laughs> but but like you know you, you go I, I, I've had a lot of hormones and I had a lot of other stuff pumped in and I had this problem from something external that I've put into my body at some point mm. or something that's happened to me or something that I've been right. exposed to now in life loads of people have had that do you know when I was at my worst, when uh, my my grade disease was worse, I had like basically ten to a hundred times the amount of hormones and other things like that that other people had going through their body, and I would be fucking crazy sometimes. I'd be like, "Fucking, <laughs> you know," <laughs> and and life was, and you know, we, we are living in a world where that sort of shit is pumped into us all of the time. Yeah, all of the time, and we don't realize the damage it does to us and the way we interact with each other and what you find out is that the more you uh, purify your body and the more you keep it and i'm saying that spoken to spliff but hey man it's of nature so it's okay yeah i'm, I'm with you i'm with uh, you 100 but the more you the more you you um uh stop putting pharmaceutical shit inside yeah. your body the more clear your brain becomes you'll start to see the more you stop taking e numbers and shit and yep. eating the sugary shit i love it man i love it i yeah. love it go make yourself some brownies or something get some good brown uh yeah. castor, uh sugar or something here some some yep. nice, okay you make it with good stuff and you'll find you'll also love it but also you won't be uh like pepped up on goofballs because that's what they're doing to us nearly all the time yeah. even even with the air like i mean I, 
you you breathe in the air and I, you can smell in the city it smells bad dank smells of sewers and car exhausts and stuff it's not good for you man it's not good for you that's why they don't want you in the country because it kills you in the city it's very convenient yeah. for their depopulation agenda all of these things have an effect and they they their cumulative effect that is going to that is going to have a massive uh um uh output of death of sadness of all of the things that make us unhappy and we've got to run away from all of that or change it and we've got to make a new world which is really nice and it's yeah. about truth it's about people being nice with each other and being one a one class one class yeah. i'm not saying like soviet bloody leninite <laughs> thing right i it's really have communism. no i i know i seriously it does not have to be communism or, right, or fascism right, right. or right. fucking democracy I, I, you know it can be something else it can be something else yeah Please. I, right. I mean, the thing is, is that we can become very limited and we, we, we often uh, withdraw psychologically to the things that we know the best. So communism and things like those have a risk of showing their head in some sort of form. And I think that's what we're seeing at the moment is we're seeing some form of fascist, fascist mode, communist sort of like global government government coming in because it's all about keeping everything production being right just just right so you make the right amount for the people and everybody yeah. doing their part for the system and all of this and all of the workers and this that the other and yeah. it, it just builds up until eventually uh, you know they'll be sending us to the gulags and we'll be like oh god they did it again how did they trick us <laughs> but but it's on its way it's on its way they're, they're, I, I mean they're trying that because they've come to the point where i think they hit a brick wall with a load of people like us who say right no way i want to I, 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 I want to live a free life yeah life. yeah it's there's so many points here. like I, i've noticed in my papers i live in hawaii and you know you're starting to see reports of uh in hawaii they don't ever report suicides i think it has something to do with tourism however mm -hmm. it doesn't take much to read between the lines and when you see articles like man found dead in work truck unattended death like it's not hard to understand what's happening people are giving up and in, in some ways they're giving up but in some ways they're fighting it's like you know what i'd rather die than do what you guys want me to do so it's like this ultimate form of rebellion that's kind of sad but that is one reason i think there's so much propaganda it's like look pay attention to russia pay attention to this like they don't want you to look at your neighbor who's struggling and fighting and yeah. scratching so hard right now to make it hey don't worry about him he probably likes putin you know, don't worry about them. They probably like Ukraine. Like if we stop paying attention to the carnival that is being thrust upon us, we would see that everyone around us is in the same boat, in the same shape and is struggling. And that I, I've been trying to think of different solutions by looking at the tactics they use. And one thing I have found, and I would love to hear your opinion on this, is that we have seen this radical transformation of definitions from vaccinations used to being that you no longer get a disease to vaccination meaning, hey, we're going to stick this in you and see what happens. You know, we have seen the change of pronouns change. And, you know, these may be ideas that have benefited the ruling class. But why can't we start some sort of GoFundMe to lobby Merriman Webster to change definitions like overtime? Maybe overtime should be like anything over an hour. You have to get paid overtime. You know, yeah, or, yeah. You know, maybe or slavery. Maybe we should just call it slavery. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe anyone. How about this? How about greed? Like if we could get some psychiatrists to put greed in the DSM 
you know, the, the mm -hmm. diagnostic manual. If we could turn greed into a disease, then we as the people, we would be, it would be our responsibility to go to our leaders and have them get a psychological evaluation and seize all their assets because they're suffering from a mental illness and they're putting their families in danger. And I think it's true. If you look at Biden's kids, or these rich people's kids, they're demented, not because they're bad people, because they're being forced to do things that they know are wrong and it's wrecking them. So it's our I, responsibility I, yeah. to get these people to have at least get a psych evaluation, you know, and freeze all their assets. Yeah, no, I, I no, no, I would be um, <laughs> straight up for starting at that point and then moving on to something uh, like 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 moving along uh, to find something that's more manageable and, and, and more doable, because I think that that is the automatic response to what they're doing would be to say, oh, God, let's fight back against them and expose them for okay. who they are, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I do, you know, the, the and 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 we got to have like some form of like parallel system in place. Yeah, loads of different things. We've got to yeah. do all of these things. But I also, I, I, I mean, there's something interesting in the extremes of of um, of this because um, oh god, I'm losing my train of thought. Okay, okay, catch me up again. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, sorry. Wait, so I, I, so my brain is. So I think maybe we. I was talking about how we could start the changing definitions they have used and utilizing their own tactics. Yeah. So 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 what my thought is is that the changing the definition and using their own tactics is saying right they're going to that end of the extreme. So we'll go to that end of the extreme or we'll do the same and turn it around. And I do think there's places for that. And I think that probably has a place within this as well. You know, there is place for saying okay, we change that. But then what we're doing is we're picking up the real negative tactics and mm. we we are forgetting the fact that the whole point is is that if they are changing words and manipulating words in response, what we should be doing is bringing truth to the original words and mm, solidifying that's a great what point. They, they've meant before. So I'm, I'm, I'm. I think I'm, I, 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 I would say that we've we could both agree that the best place to start off if we want to actually um, make some sort of that changes, bring some of those words back take some of those words back and keep using them in the in the the manner and the sense that they actually mean and refuse to let them change it and also keep pointing out the fact that we're refusing to let them change it uh, and that we're taking notes of all of the words that they're changing because i mean when you're listening to people now talking there was a guy talking uh, to a pharmaceutical company i think he was God, he was a Glaxo man or a Pfizer man recently saying about, oh, well, now we've managed to get gene therapies a normal thing. We can push that along now. And, yeah. and you know, that is so, it's so, oh, oh, it makes you feel so bad. You know, they've tricked yeah. a load of people. And you know, a yep. load of people will now then turn around and say, oh, I've taken a gene therapy. Oh, well, then that means I'm <laughs> used to taking gene therapies. And, you know, that will yep. be the simplicity of how people will respond to it. And they, 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 they've done that by changing a word. And that, process of changing the word is a malevolent thing rather than the actual what they've changed it to or anything the real process is the fact they're redefining things and they're redefining who we are and what we are and we've got to make sure we keep the original definitions of what we know because we are at a risk of if we play their game of psychological warfare getting getting confused <laughs> I'll be yeah. like, i don't know what any words are anymore oh my god and you know they, they, it is very important as well for them to be do it the ones who are doing the double speak it not us you know we've got to be we've got to keep it pure 
true. We've got to keep the facts there. We've got to make sure that when they come to attack us, they find it extremely difficult because all of the evidence is there and and it, it seems pretty uh seems all seems pretty obvious by the time they get there. And that's part like Shang Tzu as well. The the winning the the the, the battle uh, the war before you've got even gone on the battlefield. You know you have to right. you have to what are their, their, their natural responses going to be to all of these things and their natural responses are pretty um procedural they're, they're they've right. got standard operating procedures uh in place for everything so when someone right. does something they do something in response now if you already know that and you can already like herman khan did with working out the future nuclear defense, right out what defensive or attacking measures they're going to take and then you take things to neutralize it rather than to attack or defend that's much better you know and and so their their ability to spread uh this uh disinformation and then right. to paint us as though we're the ones spreading disinformation is currently the tool they're using so all we got to do is make sure our information is completely factual um so that as soon as someone says, "Oh yeah, but you're doing this," we say, "Look at this," and they go, "Oh, right, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> damn," you know. All it takes, and this is why I mean, for for when I'm writing a a, a seven thousand word article or whatever, like the, this last one, I mean that was like the, to 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 seal up to make sure that everything is perfectly accurate that everything yeah. is grammatically accurate that everything that nothing says something that is meant to say that it's all just happened so it's all got links in that those links as well something i'm really trying to do now and i promise to do to for everybody is make sure those links are not associated with uh things like wikipedia and stuff which right. is part of the world economic forum agenda you know finding ways to show people that information and prove that information through evidence um and give them uh the 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 the, the first the ping to say okay there's something interesting i do agree there's something that is interesting and it does have a link so i'll just have a little look at that link you know it only takes one process like that for someone to change their entire life direction from yeah. being uh surrounded by false information and being yeah. completely and utterly uh controlled all through their life to them suddenly realizing look shit not only is there um, all of this crap happening around just really terrible but other people are seeing it too and that's the really important thing. And that's why we've got, got to talk in our communities and we've got to be honest and open. We've got to yeah. push a view that someone else isn't ready to receive. We've got to we've got to talk to people and let them ask their own questions, but be approachable to people and, and make the communities they want to destroy back up and strong. And it's something that I took a, a advantage of during uh, COVID as soon as people um, uh, like ended up being locked away not going to work and stuff they would go to the the, the local park that i live by to walk their dog and there would be loads of dog walkers out there and after a while you go out you could talk to everybody you meet them all because they were all stuck with each other yeah you know and they're all in the same ship and they all feel uh like, like they've got no hope but you can talk to them then and you can say you've got loads of hope you've just got to see what is really happening and just not tell them what's really happening let them go on their own journey, you know, and their journey, if you're approachable and you're kind and you're respectful and you're human, those people will realize that the journey they're going on at that point 
when they're opening up their eyes to the fact they've been manipulated for so long and they've been uh, uh, controlled for so long, they will see that you are not trying to do anything terrible or sinister by showing you that and you give them their own time to get over that and then they'll be willing to ask you the question that's most important to them. And that, you know, is the key, <clears throat> not just getting people to ask questions, getting people to ask the question that's most important to them. That's mm. the most important key because everybody, once they realize and once they realize that this has all been a, a show, this has all been a theater, they're going to have one question that relates to them fundamentally that they want answering. That will happen as soon as everybody wakes up. And the, the important thing is, is to be understanding, be honest, not give them the wrong answer, give them, give them places where they can go to find those answers and give them understanding that everything isn't the end of the world it's not bad you don't have to turn against anybody we're all here together and at the end of it these people who are ruling us aren't in the park with us they're not hanging around with us we have autonomy over the basics of our own life and decisions of what we do and all we can do is spread uh kindness to other people and love to other people and hope other people come out of this mass formation as many people have called it this this uh hypnotic event that has taken over uh, mankind all this selection of hypnotic events that have distracted us from the real problems in society and and these guys solutions the guys who are creating the solutions currently they have solutions to how to organize the current situation and their situation they create which is always going to be bad they don't have solutions to how to make you feel happy. They don't have solutions to how to make your life better. They have solutions on how to make their business richer. There's right. a real big there's a real big change. As soon as you think that they have your best interests at heart, you are in. You're in. You've got to get out. You're you're behind. You're you've not you're not on the right side of history, and that will tell in time. You know the people the people who were benefiting from from every war in the past have always stood on the side, nearly always stood on the side of the people who were creating the war. You know, it's just a way of things. Money money makes the world go around and changes people's opinions of things, and the only way to change people out of that is when they have nothing. And they look around and you're the only person who's willing to tell them the truth, willing to open up your arms and willing to say, I don't care what you fought in the past. I won't judge you on that because I was there with you. We've yeah. all been there and we've got to heal and we've got to do it. And it's a long process. And I think this whole generation, whether it has to sacrifice in blood um, is one thing, but it has to sacrifice itself in time and effort to help other people um, to open up their eyes so that they don't end up bringing the next generation up with the same lies and with the same deceit and the same curtain so that in 20, 30 years we have to do it all again because this seems to be like a kind of cycle that we have awakenings every, every now and again. Um, we've got to make sure that people stay awake uh, we got to give them tools so that they can manage when things get bad and that they have uh, it, it's like more uh, communication skills that they can ask for help from people who are around them, real physical people, 
not people online, not people in EFA, not people in another country, but people who live next door to them. And we got, we just got to communicate more. We got to be nice to people. We got, to, we got to do the opposite of what they do. So when they redefine words, we bring the words back to what they mean. When they try and split us and divide us, we come closer together. When they don't want us to have babies, we have babies. And when they don't want us to move to the countryside, the first place we find is the most quietest place we can possibly reside in. That is beautiful. You're right. Like that, that, that was a beautiful uh, set of ideas you propose there. And I think that is how we heal people. And uh, can I, I want to share with you one, one thing that I like that has really helped me see the world differently. And it's, it's seeing that like we get back to patterns and like in my life, like I did, I have, I was molested when I was younger, but like, I think a lot of families have had that situation and, if you look at what happens to your family when that happens, like it destroys the family because everybody still loves each other, but they don't know how to act to it. And then like, hey, there's these weird things going on. And I believe that the micro is a part of the macro. And so if that's happening in all the families around the world and you can see the destruction that it brings, it's almost like that's what's been happening to our planet. Like we've been abused as a planet and we don't know how to deal with the trauma the same way a child doesn't know how to deal with that trauma. And it's just manifesting everywhere. So if you could apply the same techniques to healing your family in that situation, which is communication, which is understanding and hopefully acceptance and hopefully moving forward, those are the exact same things that we would do to our planet to move forward. And, and, you know, the, the people that abuse them, like they, they end up being the person that they were probably abused, you know? And so if you look at the structure of our society, maybe the people that are doing the abusing now were the people that were the most abused when they were kids. And like, how, how is it that you get through to them? But it's, it's by doing exactly what you just said. Like, look, you got to show them like, we're kind. Hey, we get it. It's hard. And I'm sorry this happened to you. But look what you're doing to these people below you. Do you want to repeat the same pattern? And I bet you, if you could identify, like like you said, when you get around the really richest people, they're just people. And if you can get around them and if somehow we get the message out, like, look, guys up there, you're no different. I know it probably feels good to tell yourself that. It feels good for me to tell myself, hey, I'm not the same as the guy under lives under a bridge. But in reality, I am. You know, that guy just dealt with it different. The same way the guy above me deals with it different. And so the way that I... Another side note there is like if you think of your work, if you think of your life like being in a novel or being in a beautiful play, you know, you can see where you're at in the play. Okay, am I am I at this part of the hero's journey? Am I fighting the first threshold guardian? Am I have I have I gotten the call to the wild yet or am I the person that's now being the mentor? You know, and if you can see your world and your life as a spectacular show or a novel, then you can know at the end of the novel, you're going to stand up and applaud and start crying. Like, this is the most beautiful novel ever. And if people mm -hmm. can think like that, I think that they can begin to heal themselves and the people around them. I, I think that there's something to be said about seeing the micro and the macro and seeing patterns. And I, I just wanted to share do, that with you because I. Yeah, do, do you know? Well, no, sharing, yeah, sharing, sharing helps, man. Um, yeah. Th this is the one thing, right? I'll say to whoever's listening now, um, I, 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 as you, you can hear, we both had experiences of, um, of horrible sexual behavior in the past when we were ch children. Um, and there's a lot of people out there 
who have that because um, uh, the, the like the person who targeted me um, within his lifetime will target an average of 100 to 150 children. And on, only 10% of those, only, uh, so you're saying like say 10 to 15 will go on to abuse. That, work it out. That's an R number that is is beyond imagining and has been going on for a long time. And you're right, when it goes into the family, when when you have to deal with that, it destroys your family. It, 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 there is no, you know, as a, as a 10, 11 year old, uh, I, I had to deal with the fact that I was no longer allowed to talk about something that was supposedly ended and this guy was then allowed straight back into normal society yep. and returned straight back into that society that 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 sense um, uh, the sealed not the 17th century reenactment society and i had to deal with that then all through my youth all through the rest of my youth that this guy was still around he was free he was allowed it not he, he um uh, when i hadn't told anybody because through fear uh, for yeah. two years that he had been grooming me he molested a three and a half year old and that destroyed me through my whole childhood, uh, through my adulthood, even today. I feel completely in that responsibility. And I know a billion people can tell me, you yeah, weren't responsible and all of this. But, oh, man, well, you, you work out how things go. If you say something and something doesn't happen, then, yeah, you, you feel responsible. And as a child, I felt that responsibility all the way through life. I felt that responsibility scarred me in loads of different ways. And I knew later on that it was um, probably 100 to 150 people that that person who afterwards as well, my sister would see him hanging out outside the, the toilets in the local supermarket. You know, this is the type of person he was, would affect 100 to 150 people. And then another 15 uh, pedophiles would spawn from that or abusers would spawn from that. Because even even uh, I, 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 I've done a lot of research into this sort of stuff because I've gone pedophile hunting. I've, <laughs> I've had people removed from schools and stuff. I've, I've done that um, uh, and I, I had to uh go on to other things because there is something sick in the top of society that allows all of this to happen and the more you witness that the more you realize that does not happen for no reason and there's a lot of people out here who are listening to this who will all all have their own experiences when they were young and will all be trying to make sense of them and some of them are like, like innocent experiences some of them are stupid experiences some of them are, 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 are not like someone grooming someone focused for a year but someone kissing someone or something like that you know it's something that seems insignificant but has stayed with them for their entire life yeah and what they've got to learn this is what everybody who goes through this has got to learn is that little kid is you're a completely different person now you're a completely different person. Your every single fucking cell, every bone in your body has been reformed every six months or whatever for all of that time. And you, the only thing you've kept is a memory and the sadness from that. And if you focus on it, you know, and this is what a lot of people do who have experienced this or try and avoid it, either one of the two extremes. Yeah. Again, with everything, it seems to be extremes. If you avoid it or if you focus in on it too much, it will destroy your mind. It will kill you. It will force you not to want to go out and see anybody else in the world or see anything because of all the harm and tragedy that's been in your life. 
And you've got to come out of that. And you've got can only come out of that uh, by realizing that you're a victim of time and space. You're a victim of this crawl of humanity. You're a victim of every single contextual event that happened to not only you, but to the person who abused you and all the people who reacted in the way they did. And when you look at it and this wider, like, uh, opera of life that you go through when you go through something like that, it's fucking uh, horrific, like, you know, dynamics involved that make you really sad all of the time and can affect you for years and years. But you've eventually got to realize the only thing that keeps you there is your mind, is that memory inside you. And that memory can be used to fuel you. It can be used to say, I want to make sure that I create a world where there's not a little me sitting in um, a little medieval cottage being groomed for the first time around a campfire by some fucking guy who's telling me what he wants to do to me. I don't want to. I, I, I don't want to live in that world. If I stay in that room for the rest of my life, I'm doomed. And so are you. You have to leave there and look at the people who who allow this sort of thing to happen. And what you discover when you look at them is a lot of them are also stuck in that routine from being abused. Because there's yeah. a load of people who are acting in the world, a lot of people were acting because they were sexually or physically abused as a child by a grown adult. That's a fact. Yep. And and there's people who have been children abusing children because they get brought up in this environment as well and all sorts of different things that can mess you up. And there's no way of really solving it because every time you go out, you discover that you talk to someone and they've got their own story 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 because it's endemic. Because like you say, yeah. every single family unit has something like that happen. Every single, like, uh, like uh, one in four daughters will come back and tell their family they've been raped. I mean, you know, uh, and then there's more who will not tell their family yeah the the whole the whole point is is that we're living through like horrendous trauma that trauma is being put on us by a much bigger thing in society it's an unfairness an imbalance an idea of class an idea of all of this stuff but it's also a a dehumanization of us and who we are and who we really want to be and we're on an evolutionary journey that's leading us is both physical and psychological that's leading us to some some better place we know it we know it for that we need to leave our old psychosis in the past because the reason why everything comes out malevolent in my opinion is because people have all of these bad experiences and they all hold on to them and they don't try and uh change things for the better because they're too busy curled up in a ball feeling that this they cannot do anything because of the pain that they're feeling that is crippling them and stopping them from living a normal life having normal relationships forming uh friendships in a normal way because nearly all people's arguments and stuff comes from weird things that happened to them in the past and weird experiences when you actually delve into anything when you talk to someone for long enough you discover that loads of people have had loads of really bad events happen and that we're all on the healing process because we none of these things should have happened and we're they're only allowed to happen because there's so many closed hidden doors all over the place um and i'm not saying open up everybody's life so everybody sees everything but no one is approachable when you go into school and you're being lied to by your teachers and you know you're being lied to by your teachers and you're in a state of hyper normalization and the police won't help you and they're lying to you and all of the other people are lying to you you don't feel that there's anybody you can go to so you don't tell anybody and the cycle continues and this is the whole point now people have got to start like like 
doing what they need to do to, to get over this. And a lot of it is about not living in the moment that happened, realizing you're a completely different creature and time changes. It does, it does uh, paste over wounds, doesn't heal them completely. Because I, I can, when I talk about it, I'm still back there. I can still feel all of that emotion and pain, but there's a lot of grieving that's gone by for the little boy that's in that room. He's, he's, he's gone. He's gone. That kid's gone, man. I've changed about 20 times <laughs> through my life. I can't even, you know, I, I can't even imagine what it's like for him now. You know, it's, I feel sorry yeah. for the kid. I really do. But you take it on and you realize that there's loads of these people doing this and everybody's had his experience. And of course, all of the shit in the world we're doing is because people are really bad to each other for a long time. We're, we're, we're having... We're having our just desserts um, as a species, and we, we've we've got to start being kinder and nicer to everybody around us. It's as simple as that. We got to start living on the basis of truth and not telling people lies. That's it. Yeah, it's beautiful. I, I've learned that like our greatest tragedies can be our greatest gifts, and it's hard to get there. It's really hard to get there because you got to ask why, and you have to be honest with yourself, and that's hard to do. But if you can do it, I like to think of it as you know, when you say we're evolving, I like to think that there's a higher power, call it the earth, Gaia, call it whatever you want to. But I, I believe if a tragedy happens to you, that that is the earth or this higher power telling you, look, I'm sorry, this is going to happen. It's going to hurt, but I love you. And I'm doing this to you because I think you're strong enough to come out the other side and help other people. So you have to go through it. I'm sorry, but you are strong enough. And I chose you and I know it's fucked up, but I chose you so you can come out this side and you go help people. Go grab their hands. You pull them up and you show them that their, tr their greatest tragedy is going to be their greatest gift. It's, it forces you to think in ways that you probably shouldn't think in, but it forces you to think of things that can change the world. You know, maybe that's what tragedy is about is being put in this state of consciousness. Like, why? Like, if you ask yourself that question sleepless nights for years eventually you get over the bullshit and you start coming up with solutions okay i can't change that but i could change this like i could change that and you can come up with solutions and not only that it gives you this weird sense of sight like you can see i can see kids now like dude i see what's going on in that relationship i see it you know let me pull this kid aside or hey i see what you're fucking doing you know and it's it's you it's like this ripping off of the scales from the eyes and it hurts but it's a superpower in a way. Now you get to see, and you may not want to see it, but you can't not see it anymore. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, so, yeah. it's 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 there's beauty. Like I think you used the metaphor one time of like the silkworm who spins a web and gets caught in it. So do we spin a web and get caught in it with our lies? But what happens? Like soon that silkworm like breaks through the most corrupt parts of the chrysalis and and emerges as a new form. And the, the, the butterfly breaks through the most corrupted parts of the chrysalis. And that, that's our species breaking through banking, breaking through barriers. The most education, the most corrupt spots in our world right now are being torn down. And they're I think corrupt that's this because new form. Yeah. They're, they're corrupt because they've been built as walls, as walls yeah. that protect their interests on the other side. And those walls stop us from being able to continue on because we are we are now at a stage. Come on, we're not we're not Byzantians or, or, or the like. <laughs> we're not stuck in the past um, uh, where we're limited to what we can do. We are entering a new stage. We've got to have a consensual understanding of what we're walking into. We've got to be able to say, yes, we agree to it. And a lot of what, what they put 
put up is uh, the borders that the boundaries they put up is so they they hide what is really happening from people because we would disagree and we've got to stop doing that we've got to start working together but the thing is is there's a monetary value uh, monetary value attached to people doing or not doing something and um, or not telling people or not getting people involved. And that keeps us down. So we obviously, I mean, we all know that money and capitalism and all of that has a lot to play in the way we value things and how we buy and sell, how we trade and stuff has a lot to do with that. And the fact that most people don't have enough is, is it doesn't give, it doesn't give anybody any type of like ability to, to purchase anything reality you know because uh, yeah. that's a lot of what we've got to do we've got to purchase reality we've got we, we, we've got to find a way to uh take it back uh without a monetary value um and it, uh, so at the moment you can only buy it um which is again a concept for a concept it's it's i i i don't know man i i, I will have to be going soon um, I hear you, man. I was just thinking oh, that was just such a good conversation, man. I, yeah, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed nice it, man. Speaking with you, man. I had a nice what, time speaking can, with you. Yeah, thank you. I, I look forward to talking to you in the future. Where can people find you uh, if they want to come and search out more? I got your links below, but maybe tell them where's the best place to look at you. Yeah, man. I, I well, I, I mean, I've what well, I'm on Unlimited Hangout. That's that's a brilliant place to be, of course. Um, it is. Whitney Webb is such a fantastic journalist. She's she is. such a great person, a really good human. Um, I, 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 I mean, God, she, 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 yeah, she's wonderful. Um, but her work is amazing. Uh, some it of the is. people she's got now putting out there is really starting to like form and understand. There's no other platform in None. the world that I could go to and produce and produce Schwab Family Values or the article that I've I produced uh, the other day. I, there's no other place where I could put that up um, that it would it would be more fitting either because it's it's such a it, it's it's delving into the secret it world is. and the hidden world so unlimited hangout is a place where you should go and delve into some of the the most amazing uh stuff i have my own uh base uh kind of thing i have a media base which is fungi monkey so fungi monkey monkey uh, <laughs> com. um that is a place which i'm i'm i got a mix of media I, i've only really just refined it i'm setting up more if you want to support my work i want to gain something i have some nice branded nfts in there garbage bell kids and the like yeah proper proper ones um so so if people do want to support my work and help me out which is always a help that's a good way to do it and you get something in return um there's lots of there's lots of things on there's why well. i do police auditing so get a police camera out when we see uh, camera out when we see police and and go up and make sure they keep our rights intact and sometimes we kick them out of wherever they are and tell them to fuck off and etc <laughs> so we, 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 we we're doing more of that but we've had some there's some good videos up on that a lot of my investigation work goes up on that. And I'm trying new things like the Welcome Trust thing. I know you, you you've tried that out, um, which is like a role play. It's like changing the article into more role play game type thing. So you get to the end and you can turn to whichever page you want. Um, I'm trying to I'm trying to understand how to develop that into a bigger structure. So I have bubbles of knowledge that cross over. Uh, there's also white rabbits that you can yeah. follow down those routes, and they'll lead you to different podcasts, different articles that are connected that will make sense of certain things um, there's so much that needs to be made sense of but once you get to a certain stage everything becomes clear
clear. So you see, I, I mean, for people who are at the beginning of this journey, who look at it and say, oh my God, but there's so much information. I've got to read this and look at this and look at this. Start on the journey. In a year and a half, you'll be like, oh, I know exactly what i got to look at now. I know exactly what I want to know because I want to have these questions answered. And these questions are not being answered by the mainstream or by these programs over here or by these teachers or these professors, these governments. So so, so you're going to have to go and find the answers. And there are answers out there. There are places who are still uh, got humans behind the wheel. <laughs> um, <laughs> that, that'll, that, that's an analogy that will disappear soon, isn't it? Behind the wheel. Human behind. It's got someone behind the wheel. It's all right. No, no, it doesn't. Nothing else. Um, it's only safe if it doesn't have someone behind the wheel. Yeah. That's, where we're, that's where we're heading to. That's not such a, a, a ring type of phrase you can spring out on people. Um, but you can also find me on johnnyvedmore.com and johnnyvedmore.com uh, is is like where I'll post up. I haven't updated it in about a week, but it, I'll post up most of my new articles, have all my old articles on, and links around the place, place a thing to support me if you don't want to buy NFTs and you just want to support my work in a way that way. Um, I'm trying to produce loads of different from work i'm trying to get onto a platform that isn't youtube so i'm looking at probably rockfin for that because i quite like rockfin at the moment yeah. um and a lot of the the allies are there so not to put all the eggs in one basket or anything <laughs> but uh, I, I i find it a nice it, you can actually speak with people who are running the place um and they're humans so that's really nice eh? God, what a concept <laughs> that is um uh so so i'll, I'll probably be there but i li listen i i you know there's so much to take in in the world. Everybody's got to go out, do their own research, understand things for themselves. And there's a lot of people who say this nowadays, but it's true. Uh, don't take my word for anything. Um, you can click on the links of any of my articles and, and they're sourced up well. But if you want to go and do your own research and find your own knowledge, hey, that would be appreciated because there's a, a drought of people hunting down things. And if you think you've got something that is really important and relates to any of the things I ever do or something that you think doesn't relate but is really important, man, I really mean it. Message me, email me, tell, tell me what's going on. I've got, I've got loads of different ways for people to contact me. You can even send me a DM on Twitter. Oh. <laughs> hey, hey, it's going to turn into tragedy over there. <laughs> My cat the got, cat got of the mad. Over here. <laughs> yeah, I know how it goes. I got Pretty. two of them. Yeah, right. <laughs> they, they, they just, they just bat me on the face nowadays. Give me food, human. Shut up. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, that's where you can find me. I hope there'll be more up. And I, listen, it's been nice. You have me. Yeah. Nice to talk. I'd be happy. We had three hours, Johnny. We... Three hours, man. Like it was nothing. Oh, that's good. It flew by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I that, love went, it, that, that went by fast. I got another, I, in a couple of hours, I got yep. another few hours to go through. So I, 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 I've, I'm going to go have some uh, cocoa Get pops. it. Get it. <laughs> well, you're a beautiful human being, Johnny Vedamore. And I thank you for your time. Thank you. And um, I'll be in touch. I'll send this all to you. And uh, I'll be in touch, my friend. Thank you very much. Awesome. Awesome, Josh. Okay. Yep. Have a nice, have one, a nice day. All right. All right. Aloha. Aloha. Aloha, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years. Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge. And I did. 
I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now, and it's been so rewarding to me that I just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true, but you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision, and I hope you all conquer it. And I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it, and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better. Your life will be better. And you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.